According to the Sun, there were thousands of empty ecstasy wrappers littering the floor of the 250-foot-long hangar. Drugs, sex, sensation. Some newspapers have called acid house music a sinister and evil cult which lures young people into drug taking. The message is certainly getting across. The organizers kept the location secret until the very last moment, which was the main reason, according to the papers, why there were so few police here and they were unable to act. Drug-crazed kids, some as young as 12, boogied for eight hours yesterday at Britain's biggest ever ecstasy bash. The party took place here, infiltrated by reporters from the Mail and the Sun. There's, there's meant to be a drugs-related craze. What do you know about acid house music? It must affect the brain in some way. Unless it's just the music that Must've does been. it. Who All knows? them lights flashing don't do you any good either, do it? <laughs> oh, I wouldn't even go in the pub where them lights are. Oh, no, they drive no. you mate, don't they? Welcome to the 88 podcast with yours truly, Wayne Anthony. I have to say, this is the first podcast and the first Zoom meeting that I've ever done where I've been the host. And I must say, I'm happy to say that I'm doing it with one of the pioneers of house music, one of the people that brought house music to the very forefront of the industry. It crossed from, across from Chicago. It came to Europe in a very short time. But before I go on and on and give all the accolades to this man who has brought so much to the world today, I just want to introduce Tyree Cooper. Yo. Yes, Tyree. So I just want to say that we're broadcasting, we're using modern technology. Word, I love right? the idea. Yeah, I love <laughs> this idea of this modern technology because I remember the idea of video conferencing because I know that you're a bit of a tech guy. And I know, you know, as far as... I'm a tech, secret I'm a secret nerd. Yeah, yeah a bit of a nerd, exactly. <laughs> I, I heard a whisper, <laughs> you know. And I remember going back to the 90s, mm. yeah. And, you know, even right in 95, and there was this, everybody was talking about uh, video conferencing, you know. Right, and right, right. And it right. was so exciting. There were so many different companies that had claimed that they created oh, the technology. Man. Do you remember? Oh yes, Cisco. Because uh, yeah. uh, remember back in the day, the first like video calls, like your phone would be in in front of you at your desk, and this little this little bitty little bitty screen would pop up, and you can see this person, just small little screen and color. Totally. But you had to use the you had to use the actual hand handheld to talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it had to be wired to the to the uh, power yeah. source. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because then uh, it, it was kind of like the first, actually, it's with, it, it was the beginnings of what this is. If you look at it, it was yeah, uh, sure. no one, sure. no one, no one, no one was talking in terms of uh, VoIP, right? VOIP, voice over internet protocol. But sure. somewhere in the uh, militaries, they found it a lot yeah. easier to call and undetected at this time. There was one other. There was one other industry that found it quite useful as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the porn industry, obviously. And the thing about the porn industry, yes. What, yes. What, yeah, you know what many people don't realize is that they were driving a lot of the technology even today. Even and today. in the nineties, it was the porn industry that was pushing this video streaming technology. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because you know, they was time. they was making. Buku yeah. money. They made money on top of money on top of on top of on you know, yeah, if they could stack it in one uh 
when long stack, yeah, it'd be more stratospheres. Sure. And I remember at the time, you know, Microsoft, they were ruthless because I remember the technology um, at the time. I knew some people that were involved in the technology. Okay. Um, this is like 97, 98. Okay. So it, it was very fresh. And, and the idea was that uh, the way the, the porn guys were using it, that mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. is that they were users were able to access a website through the internet and then, right. you know, remotely operate someone else right. <laughs> in a different country that where it was legal to actually have porn. That's and right. so it, it was them that was driving that tech. And I knew one company oh, that yeah. was- Oh yeah, that's right. I'm right. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking now yeah. some of uh, your virtual private networks and shit, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean, they were I mean, creating basically websites. Yeah, you know? that, that's, that's what I mean. Yeah. Because if you, yeah. you, you talk about like, I don't know, if somebody's in Miami and uh, they doing this thing and they could, somebody in Poland, where could, it was legal. Right, where it was legal. Could chime in, <laughs> put their little money in, and cha-ching, you know, credit card in the ass, and just swipe left, yeah. swipe up, swipe down. Excuse my French, but, no, you no. know. Okay. And I mean, that's where the tech came from for the, yeah. all this video conferencing. Yeah. Yeah, right. right. And, 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 and even, as a, I'll just go back to that chap, and the chap that I knew that was involved in the industry, mm -hmm. and what happened, they had legal sites where, you know, it was legal to have porn in Spain. But then right. they had, they really their market was in the states, and I right. remember, and I, I remember they bought some this bit of tech, and it was something to do with video compression, and this 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 bit of machinery, it was like over a million pound, mm. and they bought this bit of tech, and the company that they bought it from, like within about two months of them buying the tech, Microsoft came and bought the company. And closed it down, <laughs> and they completely closed it down. And so that company, so they didn't, they didn't have the, the support that they needed. And you know, the industry moved so quickly right. that that the whole thing didn't work. And then the next thing that Microsoft did was within six months they they released the tech for free. And so it's it changed the industry, but. The speed of uh, the internet wasn't quite there yet. Yeah, was it? you're right. You yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you know? right. So yeah, exactly. It wasn't quite yeah, right. there yet. So, right. you know, so when I see like on YouTube, they might have like Zoom calls and there'd be like mm -hmm. 30 or up to 100 people in a call. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like we're, we're lucky to have the speed to be able to do that because that was just a dream like 20 years ago, you know? Even, so, even, 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 even like, like if you, if you, if you think about it, right? Like sometimes they say, uh, is art imitating life or life imitating art, right? In in a sense that uh, this uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, no, 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 uh, 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 <clears throat> Wesley Snipes and Sylvester Stallone, Demolition Man, right? Yeah. When he got that video call on his on his TV, because the girl was she was naked, she thought she was calling her boyfriend, she was going to surprise him. This was in 1993. Sure. We talking sure. about we talking yeah. about. Uh, but you can go. You can go back before banking. that. Even I mean, look at William Gibson books. You, you know, they 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 talk about that technology there, and, I, and I'm probably yeah, sure right. in you know those old sci-fi futuristic books. Yeah. So, been, so, so it's sci-fi is is becoming sci-reality. 
Right, that's what I mean, you know. Well, yeah, even so. now, if you think about it, even now, in all the sci-fi films, it was the tech companies that ran the world. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're not that far away from that now, are we? No, really? we, no, 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 we're not that far. They, they're still trying to use uh, uh, yeah. fossil fuels to, you know, to get... Fossil to, fuels. And I mean, again, there was that interesting documentary that was endorsed by um, uh, your man's who made the 9-11 documentary. Oh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Michael Moore. Michael Moore. He yeah, recently, yeah. yeah, he recently endorsed a documentary. I think it was it called Planet of the Humans. Oh, wow. Uh, I, of, of I was Planet almost in... Humans. I was almost, I was going to be in one of his, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, I was going to be, I, I would have been, if had he did it in Berlin, I would have been one of the, uh, People he interviewed for this documentary. Uh, I think it was health. Planet of the Humans. Oh yeah, yeah, the no, health. No, but that was a while ago, yeah. It, no, this yeah. is that's what I'm saying. This is a while back because uh, yeah, yeah. one of his cameramen, one of his cameramen that he uses frequently when he comes to Europe or generally in America, or whatever. His child, his daughter, and my daughter went to the same uh, nursery or kita, right? In Germany. Oh wow, went to the same kita, right? So he asked me if I wanted to do it. Yeah, he asked me if I wanted to do it. I'm like, yeah, how did you know who I am? He said, I looked you up on the internet and I found that you was kind of famous. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> and, that's, and, and, that, and, that, and that's another thing, just for people that might not know, that you actually have European roots. Yeah, you know? exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, exactly. You, you lived in Germany for a while. You know, you, you have yeah, like German Like 19 kids. years. Yeah, yeah. A German child, one German, one German daughter, uh, half German, half... Uh, George American. citizens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's uh she speaks perfect German, perfect English. You wouldn't be able to tell when she speaks but she has what, so I'm, I mean what inspired that move then? I mean well, you're in, in Chicago and New York. I suppose you could have been in any anywhere you wanted to be in the world at that point. And you know, when we think <laughs> about Germany, I mean we love Germany, but when we think about Germany, we often think that of you know bad weather type thing, you know. <laughs> right, <laughs> and right. It, right. And it, you know, but I guess in reality, coming from Chicago, well, I mean, you know, there's nothing, weather's nothing like it is in Germany as it is in Chicago. <laughs> well, the first thing, okay, like, like, um, <clears throat> I, I got to a point, uh, I got, I kind of got into a point in Chicago, like, I wasn't getting any, I wasn't growing, or there was. Something was missing. I don't, don't want to call anybody out or any particular thing. It, it, for me, something was missing. The, I, 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 I did the DJ International. Uh, the Dance Mania was really, really working for me. But uh, Chicago was changing. Um, you know, I wasn't, I always say I have this phrase, I wasn't invited to some of the reindeer games. So, you know, I felt there was no unity. And besides, I was doing most of my stuff in Europe because at this particular time, the you know, the, the dollar value was more and, you know, it was, the illusion was you could make it there because the scene is there and so forth and so on, right? So that kind of prompted. So I used to go back and forth from like 96 up until like, 99 or something like that, somewhere up in there. For every six months, I go and come back, go and come back. Um, 
I would stay with friends and this, that, and the other. The UK, <laughs> boy, I tell you, them rough. I mean, rough. I, don't, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, though, you know. So but, but, we're talking uh, about the UK. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but not, not in the. I'm, I'm not going because I love yeah. the UK. I, my family. Uh, sure, is sure. Right, right, right. So you know where they're here. Um, right, right, right. So, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it wasn't bad. It, it, you know, they got to do what they got to do, basically. Yeah. But, but let's, um, let's let's go, let's let's go back. I'm gonna get to so so but yeah. so my choice how to get to Berlin, I got to Germany. So yeah, yeah, um, Berlin. Right. So yeah, that wasn't that that wasn't gonna be a thing. So I said no. Okay, UK. Since I'm a pothead, I said maybe Holland. You know, hey, Holland is cool. It's you know free and stuff. You know, it's all right. And I started looking at it, Holland as a whole because I've stayed in Amsterdam. Amsterdam is small. Holland is a smaller country. There was really no house at this at this particular time. Everything was fast. Didn't know what was going on. So um, I have a, a, a one of my best friends. Uh, name is Wayne Skipper, one of the most intelligent brothers. He, Anyway, um, Wayne's a like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude, in more ways than you don't even know. I think I it's mean, a pattern. <laughs> it, mu it, it must be because Wayne's, uh, he was a DJ, he's a bass player, he played on a tour with uh, Body Count, things of this nature. And uh, he said, Hey, man, we should come to Germany and stay with me in Germany in, in, in Munich. So I stayed in Munich for a little while. <laughs> no, can't go for that because <laughs> Munich is hardcore. So, uh, so he, so he was messing with these cats up in Berlin. So he said, "Hey, man, you should think about moving to Berlin. It's a bit freer, so forth and so on." So I found a place in Berlin. Uh, he helped me find a place in Berlin um, for like my first year. He was kind of like, you know, guide me, make sure I uh, help me with the language, making sure I, I learned it and things of this nature. Um, the key was getting a couple of girlfriends to be German to you so you can, you can learn best way to talk. Um, so after a month being in Berlin, I wanted to leave and just say, fuck it, I go to Amsterdam. But after a little while, it kind of grew on me, kind of kind of reminded me of Chicago in so many ways. Shit, from that moment, from 2000 to 2019, it was Berlin. So sorry for the long. No, I no. had to go through the whole process because it was a lot of thought. Because in 1999, I moved to Las Vegas, too. So being here in Las Vegas, uh, from Chicago, it was techno, techno, techno. There was no house, and I didn't, give my, I didn't give myself enough time to explore all the possibilities because me getting a, a nine-to-five job just wasn't in the picture. Sure. <laughs> it just wasn't in the picture at this particular time. Sure. So I said, fuck it, I just go to Europe, man, and, and just... You know, hang out in Europe. So. Because obviously, originally, I mean, you're probably tired of telling the story, but originally you had the scholarship to play basketball. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, a scholarship is quite a big thing, isn't it? You know, it's not easy to get a scholarship. So scholarship uh, means that, that you must be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, I played quite a bit of basketball uh, in my in my younger days. Um but you know, even which is kind of it's kind of funny because basketball helped me with how to how to how to direct my life in in a way where uh, when I was little, I used to say I want to be famous like Richard Pryor, right? That was my my, my idol. I want to be famous like Richard Pryor because 
he made me laugh. He could make people laugh. But being a comedian, it wasn't going to happen. I'm not that dude. Yeah. It's not easy as well. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know you. I've known you for years. You're a funny guy. But, I mean, no, stand-up exactly. comedy is man, that's a, a hard whole, game. Man, that's a whole nother. Even if you it's think science. you think you, yeah. that's another psychological job. But anyway, so I, I was like, uh, so I, I played a lot. I played a, a lot of basketball. I'm not even gonna go down that road because uh, like my friends that I see now, that I talk to now, that we play ball against each other, I kind of downplay it and they'd be like, man, fuck that, man. Tell them what, the, you know, this, that, and the third. So yeah, I, I did play a lot of basketball. I went to the University of uh, Wisconsin Stout, right? Up in uh, Menominee, Wisconsin. And it's like so far north in the state of Wisconsin. Because <laughs> my whole thing was, I wanted to go to the NBA, right? Ugh, that's, yeah. a, that's so many. That's the dream. Yeah. yeah, and 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 this one, um, this one uh, basketball camp I went to, uh, this this dude kind of broke it down. But you know, being young and from the hood, you don't you hear it, but you don't really pay no attention to it. You're like, I'm doing this. I, I I can't hear what you're saying. I'm I'm doing this. A man said, if you are between six nine and seven feet, you have one and 500 chances of making an NBA. Wow. If you are 6'8 to 6'5, you have one and 10,000 chance of making it. No, one in 5,000 chance of making an NBA. If you are 6'4 to 6'0, you have one and 10,000 chances to make the NBA. If you are 6'0 and under, <laughs> <laughs> I went. So that's where you fit in. <laughs> right. One, I couldn't really dunk. Well, I, I could, I could, one of my friends, we, we just, I can't even, to, to be fair. Uh, oh, man, I, I, with one of my friends, we'd laugh about this today. Like, um, there's, there's a defense that the opposing team could put a defense on you. It's called a, uh, a press. Like they do, they have it, they have it in football too, in, in soccer, right? Or football, soccer. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm both ways on that, on that word. Um, they have a, a press or pressure they can put on the player and focus on the player so he can uh, make a mistake or pass it or kick it to somebody or kicking out in soccer case, kicking somebody else in basketball to make a dumb pass. I used to tell I used to tell the people move, just 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 go ahead. I I got this, and they look at me like, what? I'm like, yeah yeah, I got this. I I got this. I got this. And so you only have you only have eight seconds from the time you inbound the ball to half court or it's a backcourt violation, right? Sure. So yeah, a lot of times, 80%, 85%, 90% of the time, I never got stuck up. I mean, I never got ripped for the ball. I always made it past half court in eight seconds or over eight seconds. No one can could get the ball for me. So yeah, I had handles is what they call. They had handles like not they they say uh breaking ankles, right? Yeah, this is one of the one of my features, which kind of led me to being the producer, if you look at it, right? A producer is like a point guard, right? He 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 makes sure he has all the pieces to put together a a, a product or a team. Some cases a team or a product. So I took that shit with me when I made house music. Like, I'm I'm out here DJing and everything. I'm like, shoot, I I do a party with me, Mike Dunn, Hugo. That's the party. All I gotta do is pass out flyers. 
So yeah, I, had, I was building teams and when it came to making records, the same thing. I got my the closest person to me was my sister. So I grabbed my sister. You know what I'm saying? This is how you build it, how you build a team. So I use basketball uh to build my whole even to this day. And and what was what was the soundtrack that you was listening to during the basketball days? <clears throat> Sorry about that. <laughs> oh wow. Uh because uh, I, because okay. I imagine you went through those soul and funk days, and the maze days, and the earth, wind, and fire days, and then obviously later came the Motown days. And well, first it was Motown. For, okay. First it was okay. Well, my basketball days and my basketball yeah. days, like, right, um, pretty much was what it was on the radio. Uh, you know, uh, Lakeside, like your funk stuff, Rick James. Um, you know, your 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 Midnight Love songs. Uh, you know, things of this nature, you know, you know, it, it was, it wasn't so defined yet. I, I hadn't, I hadn't found, I hadn't found, I haven't found house music until, I, I like to say like around 19, kind of 81, 82, more 82 than anything. Um, and what about, what about the disco thing though? Did you, did you go through your, your disco period first? Did, did you, did you have, like, I mean, didn't okay. recognize that was disco. I didn't okay. recognize because again, my whole my whole quest, I didn't even get to the I didn't even get to the high school part yet. But my whole quest was the NBA basketball. Basketball first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and everything else. Wow. After that. Sure. It was nothing but and mind you, I played in grammar school. I was not the best kid. On the basketball team, as a matter of fact, uh, my grammar school years playing basketball was more about me being a, a, a smart kid, a bookwise kid, as opposed to being anything athletic. Go have a backup. Go have a backup. Well, uh, uh, no offense to my coach, I understand it was better players, but on the side, I've been playing at the um, let's just say the local gym, the YMCA, right? They had these. 13 and under tournaments and stuff. And that's where I would, I, I was playing against other people from other schools, not necessarily uh, for my grammar school team. So I didn't too much care. I know I was getting better. So I didn't, so, I didn't make my high school. I didn't make my, the first high school I went to. <laughs> I didn't make that team, which if anybody knows anything about Chicago basketball, uh, it was called Simeon high school. This is the team. This is the school that had a, uh, where the guy Benji Wilson got shot, right? And they've always had one of the top teams in the state. Jabari Parker, this guy that plays for Miami Heat named Kendrick Nunn, comes from Derrick Rose, plays for played for Simeon. These are all the cats that played for Simeon High School. That was my first high school. Did not make the high school team. Did not. Matter of fact, Bam Bam, give it to me. I'm a man, baby. Give it to me. Where's your child? Could also play basketball. He played on the freshman team or sophomore team at the at, at Simeon. Bam Bam wow. play. Yeah, Bam Bam okay. play. Um, it's mad that you played on the same team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, we didn't. I didn't make the team. I transferred. Uh, okay. I, I, I did. I did. I did like I do now. I did some some soul searching. Um, there was a time sure. in Chicago where different players from different schools was moving. You know, as if it was like a, um, 
kind of NBA kind of thing where people were, you know, getting traded from one team to the other and this, that, and the third, right? So I'm like, hey, how, how, how can I get down like that? What's going on? Who, who, how do I figure that out? Start talking to some people. And it, at, all at the same time, um, my freshman and sophomore year, I'm playing basketball, but not for the school. I'm playing against other players that should play on the basketball team. But Simeon is so good that these players also didn't make the team. So they had to also eventually transfer to another school. Like uh, one of these guys, the one I ever know him, his name is, um, uh, what's Lamont name? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I forget his last name. Uh, History but, now. Yeah. Uh, his name is Lamont. I played against him so much in my sophomore year that it made me a better point guard. So when I started looking for schools and playing against other teams, I try to convince certain coaches. And the reason I'm looking up because this is a part of my history. I really don't discuss so, so much, but it has a lot of credence to who I am pretty much today as a producer and as a sure. artist. All right. So I always found out, okay, where the best tournaments at in the city. My cousin, my uh, one of my first cousin, he also played high school basketball. So uh, I did a summer at his house, and we played, we went everywhere. But prior to that, what led me to that was I had a friend who who writes now for the Chicago Tribune, who was an ESPN writer. Uh, when we were in grammar school, we did the same thing. Went from neighborhood to neighborhood, and you gotta understand Chicago. So it's not easy to go from neighborhood to neighborhood <laughs> without some kind of altercation. And it's generally gang altercation. You know what I'm saying? So you got to check in, man. Or because or, or, you know, you you you. There was a thing back in the day. If you were neutral, neutral. I'm just playing back. But if you're playing against some of these people and you're beating them and they're you know they're losing, ah, no, they can't stand to lose. Different so story. What we do, man. Uh, what we do is uh, what we do is just uh, we go. You know what? We'll quit after the second game we win, or we'll lose intensely so we can have a free path home. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was Jilly our intention. So what led me to me and my right. So we had my my cousin, my first cousin, and I we did the same thing. Both in the same grade, both played basketball, and that's all we did for an entire summer. So each my whole point is each year I got better, but I wasn't on a high school team. Then um uh uh in between my, my, my sophomore year, um, I, I found out about uh, amateur athletics, which is now humongous in the States, right? Sure. I did that for two years. I got clowned for my, actually my, fresh, my freshman year, a little my freshman year, my sophomore year, I played amateur athletics. I played for the uh, University of Illinois at Chicago. They had a junior, they had a team that they, they sponsored, and that was our AA, my AAU team who also had college play of uh, potential college players, college bound players, because scouts used to come to those games. And your boy, you, 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 you no knowledge of none of this. No knowledge of none of this until, until this guy uh, from Marquette University uh, walked up to me uh, at the game and said, hey man, I really like your game. I'm like, okay, thank you. You know, some white dude, you know, you think it's another coach or some shit, you know, you don't pay attention. But not a college coach. You thinking a high school coach? Because you know you AAU, you pretty difference. much yeah. man. You, yeah, you pretty much you're a free agent if you play AAU. So I'm thinking this 
had my coach said, that was the guy from uh, Marquette University. I went, for real? So, you know, as I progressed and when I became a junior, um, I transferred schools, as I said. And then uh, I, 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 got, I, was, I was good enough. I, I trained. I trained. I played so much basketball that I could run with anybody. I'm known now. I'm known wow. in my neighborhood. I'm known in little parts of the city, depending on where you bought at. Oh yeah, I, I got a name now. I'm known right. to, the, to the point where, right to the point where, when I started, when I started, uh, the other opposing guards looking like, oh hell no, this one, you know, <laughs> this okay, 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 and then the game is on. Friends of mine from the neighborhood was on some of these teams. I remember playing against my cousin, uh, his high school team. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it just it just became a thing until I got to University of Wisconsin and was like, you know, I came up here with a with a with a with an idea, but it's I was not ready for the culture. I, I did it like that. You know, I understood it was only five percent blacks that went there, but pretty much it was just a basketball team and some of the full team. You know, because I was sure. like, oh hell no, hey mama, listen, um. I'm just gonna come on home, and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I put like this. I always say I was there a week, but I was there for like uh, three weeks, three weeks to a month. Uh, right, like little before schools started. Um, uh, 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 I, I was there like like because I, I got enough time to play one scrimmage game with uh with uh another co- another university because we was in a division three it's like you got division one two and three which is not bad it's just that it's a smaller school the student enrollment is small so it's not a division one sure so we got a chance to play against this guy who later became an nba player his name is uh terry porter and this dude was i had never seen a point guard play like this ever in my life the dude could do everything. I mean, I say everything, you name it, he did it. That still didn't excite me, and I still came home. I went and played for the local junior college at this point. <laughs> I said, you know, screw it. I just go ahead and give me an accounting degree and just play local uh, college ball and work my way that way or figure out another plan. So uh, <laughs> midway, right before the season started, I, I got the schedule. It's come time for the uniforms to be handed out. I have my practice jersey and everything. I'm already practicing. And the very dude that introduced me to the culture of house music, my friend Hugo H. or Hugo Hutchison, this guy was on the radio. We went to high school together. Like I said, he introduced me to my first real house party. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, my soundtrack was kind of weird. It was kind of funk. And then all of a sudden, the Hot Mix 5 and Farley. Well, Farley and then the Hot Mix 5. I have to say it like that because once I heard Farley, then I listened to the whole team. But <clears throat> once he was on the radio in college and I, I got a chance to hang out with them cats, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to do this. So I went down to the coach and said, you know what, coach? Here you go. I'm good, bruv. Um, I'm not going to play ball. This is right before the season. And one of the teams we was going to play, I wanted to play this dude so bad because 
he be in Simeon be talking so much shit. He be talking. I said, no, nah, I'm good. Nah, I'm a kill. I'm a murder this dude on the court because he has no idea how good I am. I know he's so, looking at old Tyree and thinking about, oh, they if they got him, this is easy. <laughs> oh, contraire, mon frere. At this point in time in my game, it's all over. I'm I'm little Isaiah Thomas, you know. Anyway, but at this time I was like, you know, I'm good, coach. Here, he said, son, you're gonna throw your life away. Is it the classes? No, 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 coach. It's all good. It's all good. I'm just gonna hang out in the radio room and and just DJ. I'm a, I'm just gonna be a DJ. A DJ, son. Don't tell me that. You, you're gonna throw your life away. You're gonna hang out with those guys. Those guys just, what are they gonna do? What what what, what are you gonna do? You gonna spend records for the rest of your life? I don't know, man. I'm just, you know, it looks cool, man. I, I think I'm going to try it. So the assistant coach, he walks over to me, go, boy, you just going to throw I'm trying to do his back. I'm trying to imitate his voice best I can. Uh, boy, you just going to throw your fucking life away. You going to hang out with them? With them? Man, you got the potential. We could put you in any. All you got to do is play ball, man. We can put you in any school, man. We can get you in this school. And I'm looking at him like, you know, I know there's a violation in this somewhere. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I'm just going to keep it up. A hundred and go, man, no, nah, I'm good. Two years later, two years later, so that happened like 84, right? Just right before. Jesse Saunders, or well, right in the mix of Jesse Saunders releasing the first house record, right? I'm like, shh, this is what I'm it's doing. It's on and on. That's on and, and on, yeah? On and on, yep. I was yeah. like, this is what I'm doing. And hanging out with Hugo and Friday Night Audio and understanding this culture a lot more. Yeah, then, then I got introduced to disco. I mean, I got, you know, like, uh, you ever see The Matrix when, uh, when, when uh, Neo first gets first get into the matrix or this this computer software program and they they said yeah we need you we need you to be able to fight to take on these agents and they plugged them in and they plugged them in and say what martial arts style you want to know he say i don't know pick yeah. one and they plug them in and go well i know kung fu that's what <laughs> well you were plugged into the right guys at the right time that's exactly where i was going with yeah. it because that opened the door for everything my whole world just went again still play basketball you know occasionally i play with the uh it's gonna sound funny come out my mouth i played with the local church uh i would go there for the season that pretty much be it and once the season was over with i was ghost won three championships with the with the with the with the, with the church so I, for me i was good house music took over everything i got into djing and like i say two years later that same coach that same coach was at the party and looked at me. He looked at me up and down and was like, okay. Right. Name plastered on the poster. You, you couldn't miss Tyree Cooper on the, on the, when you walked anywhere down the street. You know, back in the day, you used to be able to put up uh, plug cards or posters, right? You used to be able to put up posters. Yeah, you saw my name plastered everywhere. Tyree, 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 Tyree. Amazing. Like, hmm. I'm like, yeah, all right. I ain't looked back since. Sorry if that's a long story, but... No, it's um, not a long story because it's important because at that time, people really never considered DJing to be a career. At all. 
you know, and and if you think about the DJs today, they're earning you know over a million pound, a million dollars to play a set. Back then, you know, it was considered to be you know like was, a bit like an artist job. You know, it's like even, artwork. That, that's that's being. I'm, I'm that's sweating being, a lot. I'm gonna while you're talking, I'm gonna. Ooh. It's cool. It's cool. We got. They say it's actually the hottest time uh, since the '60s here in London. Wow. Well. Yeah, I'm in Las Vegas. Trust me, bro. Yeah, it's every day hot like the '60s, for sure, like, for sure. So house, so boom. Yeah, so yeah, I'm, so so yeah. I told the coach like he saw me there. I hadn't really made my first record, but that was dude. When I say that was on his way, that was on his way, and that was another funny story too about me making um uh my first house record and stuff, right? So uh, I know forget a lot of my business, but anyway, um. Uh, when I when I entered Simeon, was that I feel the night? That was my was first, that the first one. Yeah, that was my first one. But I, I had um I had produced other tracks before that, right? I, I uh one story I tell, I, I had um I borrowed Steve. I was I was a drum machine borrowing individual. I borrowed Marshall's drum machine to make I feel the night. I borrowed Steve Poindexter's drum machine to make some some beat tracks because at this particular time. We made beat tracks. Beat tracks was like you could segue in between different songs. If the beat track was nice, you could run that beat track for a long time, put acapellas on it, so forth and so on. Definitely, yeah. Beat tracks so, are a huge thing, even here. Right, right. So I made some beat tracks, and I took maybe six tracks or whatever. I took them down to Larry Sherman. What I thought was mastering, I did them in my house. With the DJ mixer, so the bass and highs were good, the levels was okay. So I'm like, it's mastered in my point. So I, I didn't know there was a such thing as these monitors that can hear stuff, these near field monitors and everything. So I took it down to Tracks Records because at this particular time, I'm on college radio. I'm lying to every record company I can think of to give me some promos. I didn't care which record company it was, I was lying. I was over, I was really, really telling people I was way, way bigger than I was. I just wanted free records. I, I didn't care. If I felt like I liked the company, I would call sure. them up. And right, what, were so, the lab- what were the labels at the time? Tracks Records? Was DJ International I, I, around then? Tracks Records was around. I called them up. I got free records. Uh, 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 this record label called Sunset uh, Records. I called them up. Um, AKA Records. I called them up, um, a few other labels. Cause, like I say, I was, I was, I was doing my thing. I was, yeah, for sure, dude. You know, and what I about was, what about record shops? Was what what record shops? Was there many record shops around at the time in Chicago? At yeah, this point? like 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 you had like uh, import records was. I don't know if there was record war like geographics, right? Like if you lived on the uh, south side, then you had um, you had some. You had like Hollywood Records. You had like JR's Music World, which is in Evergreen Plaza. If you lived on the west side, you had uh, Barney's. You had uh, 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 what's my man George Daniels? I forgot um, um, George Daniels. He had a record store. He's all George Daniels is like the old guy in R. Kelly videos. He's like the older gentleman that's dancing with his wife. Um, <clears throat> I forgot the name of uh, Mr. Daniel's store, but uh, 
uh, and I used to go there. He know this dude's known me since he's known me since I'm I'm in my fifties. Uh, <laughs> he's known. You look me. good, brother. You look good. Thank you, thank you. You, you know, uh, you as well. Uh, he know yes. me since I was about six or seven years old, going into the store buying candy because I used to live on the west side, right? But anyway, you had his store, Mr. Daniel's store, and then you had Barney's. Uh, if you was on the north side, you had a little bit more choice. You had wax tracks, you had gramophone, you had uh, 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 what is the name of it? Uh, just used record stops, uh, just used record store where everyone used to get records from. Uh, you had quite a few, and if you really wanted to, you went downtown and you went to the Loop or you went to Imports because Imports and Loop would always get the freshest, freshest, freshest. You know, like I said, you had other mom and pop stores, but the reason I didn't sure. mention DJ International because uh, that's when I stopped lying to record companies on how big I was. Because right. I called up DJ International and the guy Benji was, I didn't know who he was. I said, listen, my name is Tyree Cooper. I did this at this party. I'm on this radio station. I'm lying. He's like, oh yeah. I said, I just want to come and get some promos. Is it okay? And this is the time when like, like this, Donnie, I mean, all the heavy songs from DJ Nationals. I was like, you know, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to clean up here. No. So I went down there and I talked to him. like, yeah, I'm Tyree. Um, You know, I talked to you on the phone. I, I don't know who I talked to. He said, oh, yeah, I talked to you on the phone. Yeah, what you need? What you need? I was like, you know, whatever promo you can give me, man, it's, it's cool. I'm not, you know, I'm always humble and stuff, right? Uh, just whatever you can give me. So he gave me promos, promos, promos. I'm like, all right, cool. He said, uh, yeah, that'll be uh, X amount of dollars. I was like, whoa, say that again? <laughs> he said, yeah, that's, that's X amount of dollars. I'm not going to charge you what I charge the store. I'll give you a good price. I'm like, no, I thought they was promo. He's like, bro. You're not on a major, like you wasn't, on, I wasn't on like the major, major station like WBMX or WGCI. Nah, I was on the college stations. And back then they gave less than two about a college station. They were like, college station? Who listens to them? It's all about the Hot Mix 5 or the Jackmasters 6 or whatever, right? I'm like, oh my gosh. So I'm like, I can't get the promo for free? He's like, no, unless you pay for them. I'm going, I say, so what kind of company is this? Y'all, y'all, y'all listen to demos and stuff like this? Like, yeah, dude, you got one, you know, bring it on down. Oh, for real? Yeah, just bring it on down. You talk to Rocky. I'm like, okay. It took six months, but I can't, eventually came down with a demo. <laughs> I had well, I guess you get, yeah, 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 yeah. As an artist, as well, you don't know when to stop as well, do you? No, nah, no, nah, you just ramble on, dude. Uh, but because I had to borrow a drum machine, I had no equipment. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm or, I mean, I'm like, yeah. at this point, I'm not even making, I'm, man. anyway, making each part as but famous. But also, you keep doing it, don't you? That, that, you know, that's what I keep, that's what I meant was, as an artist, you like, you always like, well, it's not finished, it's not finished, let me nah, man. It. Yeah, especially back in the day, dude, I was like, yeah. how, how, how is Frankie Knuckles, how is Ron Hardy getting 15, how is Farley getting $1,500 a party? I want to do that. At least that's what the word on the street was. How much they was getting, I don't know. But uh, at least that. I'm like, how are they doing that? That's good and money for back was, then. Oh, and this is every week, homie Farley. Anyway, uh, I'm like, how, 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 how they do that? So, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, I got to figure this out. 
because back then I was only making a weekend about 300 bucks tops. Hour and a half here, hour and a half there, about 300 bucks. So I got smart. I was like, you know what? Here, here, around 1986, my point guard, my point guard skills uh, fell into place. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to keep doing these parties, begging these promoters uh, to do, to put me on the line up with this DJ. And I know I can outplay this DJ. Screw that, man. I'm going to do. So. I did my own parties. You know what I mean? I, I started doing, I started putting my life together. I was like, who can I use? Who's my immediate that, that trust me? Well, was that, was that the, what you did at the Shiva disco, my house? Was that yes. was that it? Yes, 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 yes. So, so tell us a little bit about that then. So, yes. Shiba Disco. So, Shiba Disco. Shiba, okay, okay. Yeah. The Shiba Disco was one of those places yeah. before before we got it. Was one of those places that um um used to have like teen party. It, it, it was an adult club, but on a DL they would have teen teen parties or young adult parties. They didn't call it teen; they called it young adult, right? So no alcohol was being served. Whatever they did, they hid the alcohol, and so they have parties. So around 1985, around 80, sorry, around 1983, 84, they belly up. But so if you knew somebody, you can, you know, pretty much rent it for whatever. So my godfather at this particular time, shout out to uh, uh, the uh, the Ricard family. Um, he 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 said because um, he was in a motorcycle club, right? He said, "Listen, we can get this, man." I was like, you can get this club? He's like, yeah, yeah, we can get this club. Oh, for real? Dude, I can fill this motherfucker up. Excuse me. And I'm saying to myself, and again, that confidence, that point guard confidence, like, shit, ain't nobody taking this ball from me. I was like, let me put my team together. I was like, okay, uh, at one point in time, Mike Dunn and I, we didn't have any beef, but we just wasn't speaking to each other. Um, what happened? Well, I, I just tell the truth because when it gets out, and if he, if he sees it up, he like, just tell the truth, motherfucker, just tell the truth. Or I tell him my truth. Or I'm yeah. telling the truth. I've got, he's lined up to do an interview as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my first DJ partner. That's, that's, yeah. that's my little brother, man. Are you, that, are you still friends now? Yeah. Okay. Oh, to this good. day, that's still my brother, man. Yeah. Uh, but at, at this, at this one point in time, what happened was I was with a young lady that I used to see only at one specific time, right? Because she was, she it's always the ladies, man. It's always the ladies. <laughs> so, so it was hot. It was a hot summer. It was a hot summer, and I had the young lady in my house. Now, mind you, I'm trying to do all this before my mother gets home, or before my mother, you know, recognizes what's going on. So they call me up. Hey, hey, Ty, hey, hey, man, Mike got some twelves, and I tell you, we poor. We we built our own speakers. You know, we Mike. <laughs> we took our grant money we supposed to use for college to pay for books. We bought records and turntables and shit. That's how it goes, dude. <laughs> so you know, so it's okay, Mike, right? So Mike, Mike got turntables, bet. But let me see him tomorrow because I have this young lady in here that you know. Man, no, no, you gotta come see him. Man, they, they, he got the black twelves. That's when. You know, if you got a pair of black twelves as opposed to the silver twelves, you you know you you, you were you know you was a shit, right? No, it wasn't yeah, even black yeah. twelves. No, it was uh no, he's got a pair of brand new twelves. It wasn't the black twelves. He's got a pair of brand new twelves. So I'm like, all right, cool, fuck it. So I go down there, 
And again, it was a hot summer. I go down there and I open the door, basement door to my our friend, uh, uh, we call him Pinot, his name is Arnell, but uh, we call him Pinot. And we open the door and they doused me with a bucket of water. Oh, they thought that was funny. They thought it was funny. <laughs> they followed my foot. They told me they followed my foot, my wet footsteps, and I was pissed. They followed my wet footsteps all the way back to my house, all the way to my steps, all the way. I'm like, okay, y'all think this is funny? Okay, okay. So, uh, you know, me and Mike, we talked it out. Trust and believe, it wasn't gonna be no fight. I was just a bit pissed because I was with a woman, with a young lady, and they did this, they played this prank on me because I don't play pranks like that. So sure. at this particular time, That's fair. Um, at this particular time, I said, you know what? Fuck, I ain't gonna, I'm not gonna mess with him. So my point guard brain starts working. Mike was the hottest thing in the neighborhood. I'm outside the neighborhood. I'm doing everything on the outside, or on the east side where, where all the quote unquote real parties was at. I'm doing these parties. Mike is on the other side with the east side don't fuck with. So I'm like, you know what? Hey, Mike, you want to do some parties with me? Yeah. It was a rap. And so I had Mike. I was like, we need to, we might need a guest a little Let me ask Hugo. Hey, Hugo, because Hugo was on WKKC, the popular radio station that has a wide audience on the south side. So I'm like, I got me a squad. So it'd be Mike, Tyree, and Hugo. So when it came down to the Sheba, it was like, hell, yeah, this is it. It's a wrap. And I kid you not, <clears throat> Wayne, we had about five, 600 kids come to that party cool. on a Friday night. On a, cool. Oh, man, it was so crowded in that mug. Oh, it was so crowded. So we was like, my, my godfather was like, fuck that. Oh, my, my God, son, what are you doing over here? You know, we got five, at $5 a head. You know what I'm saying? It's so, it's yeah, night. man, we, he looked at me, it was like. And a house night as well. But. My house, my house was the name it, of the night, wasn't it? We called it Club My House. That's right. A Club My House. Yeah, Club yeah. My House. Um, um, so within that, we did the next party. The police was not having it. They was like, you know what? Where the license is at? Who, who's running this over here? So my godfather tried to, you know, see what was going on, who was whatever. And it was like, nah, you got to have some, you got to have some permits, man. At least, you know, clean up the joint. So we, we, we cleaned that motherfucker up. We took out trash. We did everything, everything. We made sure fire escapes. You know how you do. When you want yeah, to happen, yeah. you young and you hungry and shit. And matter of fact, we didn't even go home. We bought a let out couch, a couple of let out couches. So, we could all sleep in the club. You know what I'm saying? This is a dedication. Yeah. So within that, within that time, uh, uh, we, we ran into, I think Mike Dunn ran into Marshall, or I ran into Marshall. I'm not for sure how the story goes. It could be Mike. Uh, ran into Marshall and said, hey, man, we up at this club uh, doing, you know, playing some music. Marshall said, yeah, all right, cool. So he said, hey, is it okay if I bring my music, my equipment down here because it's too much in my mother's house and I want to, I want to, you know, I need a place to have it. We was like, what? What equipment? Like the stuff that you that you made not bad. This time Marshall already had, he was he already had um this uh go wild with rhythm tracks. This this one popular rhythm track that we all played, still can play to this day. And so we was like, and he had uh, I've lost control release, right? So we already okay. know who he is. So when he yeah. said bring his equipment, we was like, 
hell yeah. Motherfucker. So he brought 808, 707, 727, uh, Harmonizer, uh, JX8P, uh, JX8P keyboard, wow. Yamaha, uh, DX. He brought a lot of keyboards. We was like, get the fuck out of here. What are we going to do? Now, we supposed to be cleaning up the joint. Marshall Lee's, we got we pressing buttons, turning knobs and shit, and using cassette deck to record. Because we had no idea how long he was going to come in and take all this. And then we like, what? So I said, so, wow. me and Mike, so me and Mike said, me, Mike, and Hugo, as a matter of fact, he said, hey, Marshall, man, look, since you using the 707 and you're not using the 808, um, can we get like $20, man, to borrow it for a week? We just want to make some tracks. He's like, yeah, sure, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one week turned to six months. <laughs> As you do. We wasn't, right, we wasn't trying to steal his drum machine by no means of the imagination. It was that we was trying to take turns on how, who gets what, how much time, what was going on. So I'll sure. just say when it was my time, uh, when it was my time, so all three of us working on this track. So, okay, cool, cool, cool. And I, and I guess before that, if you wanted to record music, you'd have to go into, you know, a normal studio and record. I guess, which at was least, quite expensive. At, at, at least that. Yeah, yeah, you you know you, you had you had some studios that were eight track, uh, studios, sixteen track studios, and then you had the big twenty four track studios, the huge huge studios. But for some for three for three broke brothers, yeah, the exactly, cassette deck yeah. was it. That that was cassette deck and a little sample, a little Digitech sample, just three seconds, five seconds of a voice. Jack, that's all you got. Jack, 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 Jack. You can, wow. you know, you can run it across the drum machine. So, um, so all three of us working on this track, right? So I was like, you know what? Let's get my sister to sing it. Yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. Okay. So we had a practice run. It was our fit tonight. So I was like, I bet. So we played it out, played it. I gave a copy to Lil Lewis. He stole my cassette, or he claims I gave it. So I'm like, no, dude, I asked you to play it. You never gave it back. And had I had a few other brothers with me, it probably would have been a fight at the party to get my cassette back. <laughs> so I'm like, nah. So I was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. So um, that's just real talk. That's just. Uh, yeah, look, yeah. That's real. That's what happens when you got good friends. It would have been like that. Right. Um, right. Uh, so I was like, you know, fuck it. Talking up to the game. So I was like, all right, cool. So I'm like, what, man? I'm just going to take it down to uh, uh, DJ International. Oh, man, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I'm like, why not, man? That's the whole point. Let's bring this shit out. So I, I, I took him the song. I took DJ International the song. Still had Marshall Drum Machine. I took the song. <laughs> And this is, we truly this is, believe, again, this is our field of night. Yeah. Our field of night. So, yeah. so I think we think Move Your Body probably been produced with an 808. But the fact that his only drum machine was the 707, his Move Your Body. Go on. <laughs> so, um, so, I, so I'm like, okay, Rocky Tay, we're going to put you in the studio. So I'm like, all right, cool, cool. So I'll call up the guy. Hey, which patterns did we use? What was the patterns? Oh, I can't remember. You can't. Hey, which, which pattern was it? Uh, oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Oh, for real? Okay. 
now studio time, we was in a big ass studio. This is a 24 track studio. There's sure. only 10 outputs on an 808. There's a whole 14 more outputs, or uh, 13 more outputs, because you had to put a, a FSK uh, uh, signal so everything can sync up later. Yeah, no, that didn't happen because the 808 does not have a FSK sync tone. It's what you see is what you get. If MIDI, if you admit it to something, that's what it is. Didn't know any of this at this particular time. All I knew was I got to figure out how to program this right now, right here, so I can release the song. No, not even, no, they didn't say, hey, they didn't say, hey, look, look, uh, pattern three, four is what we use. Uh, uh, and the other one is seven and eight. Because then I could have put it in song mode and just like, okay, you know, run it. But I'm not saying that. I'm like, shh. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm sweating. So I just started racing patterns. And I, I did what I thought was what we did. And that's what you hear in After the Night. Wow. Because they didn't tell me. They might have probably disputed, but I don't care. But I do care. I love them. But uh, this is what they, they didn't tell me which pattern it was. So I'm like, fuck it. And then uh, Benji, the same guy that sold me the records at DJ International <laughs> uh, uh, Record Company, was in the studio. And I quote, he said, damn, motherfucker, you don't know the pattern of your song? You don't, you don't know what, what, why you got a cassette playing? No, 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 no. I just can't remember which one. And I'm sitting like, and then at, at some point, like, five minutes or some stuff like that. I just gave up. I was like, man, fuck it. I started doing my own shit and got close to what it is. All the, all the stops and everything. That's me stopping the drum machine, starting it back up. That's all me because I thought this is what we did. And so I feel the night came out with my sister singing. She was six months pregnant. So. Wow. Amazing. Right. man. Yeah. And, and so at the time, you guys are in Chicago. Did you know what was going on in New York or in the house scene and with, you know, Frankie and all those guys? No, what we, what, what was, I mean, oh, that's a, fun, this, that's a this funny point, story. That's a funny yeah, cause story. You, Cause you know, even like, uh, sorry, we'll get back to that, but you know, that's even right. like the term house music, mm. you know, did everybody accepted the term house music? I mean, where would you say the word uh, term house music came from? Um, it, it look when the older cats would go to see Frankie Knuckles at 206 Jefferson, right? Um, they would always say they're going down to the house, right? Because he was playing this, this, this kind of R&B disco music. It wasn't necessarily electronic, uh, but it was like this R&B. So the warehouse was that was the warehouse. They was going to the house when the scene when we when the scene. When the scene, as the scene was developing and the warehouse was closed and he opened up the power plant, take out the where, use the house to associate the culture with this type of, to associate yourself with this type of culture, right? It, it, per se, disco, it's the warehouse music or stuff that could have been played at the warehouse, right? So when you see flyers, you see fly, old flyers that say house music, house music, but there was more disco played in these parties. Now, as the world know house music, it's, it, to me, after Jesse signed his release on and on, 
it wasn't the on and on that everybody was clinging to. It was the other side. It was the tracks that, as I said before in my previous uh, speaking, mentioning earlier about me selling my records to track, it was the beats that you can have segues into some of these songs, right? And after a while, there wasn't that much segue into house records to disco records because the house record, the track itself had a harder kick, right? So it made the disco record stand out. This is something Farley said on his own, right? Which is true. The, the record, the track made the disco record sound, made the kick sound that much more because you had speakers, you had bass, you know how brothers is. We got to have, we got to have some bass. You can't be coming with no tweeters and say we going to. So, you know, once that faded out, now house music is becoming a thing because every track, every song that came out had some type of moving or we call it beating, some type of uh, rhythmic track that, that would make a dance floor go crazy. Uh, it, would, it may have a, a, a funky turnover. It may have a, a, a certain hi-hat pattern or it just fit within the structure of that song, but it was always the beat that drove because the kick drum was driving the song. And every house record, especially in the early days, the kick drum was driving the song. So this is house music. This is the house music that we know today. And sometimes people get confused with disco. The culture of house music started, the culture of this, the culture of it, yeah, stems from the warehouse or the older, the older cats taking out the ware and calling all their parties house parties because the same type of music, it was, this, it was, an, it was an extension of that era or of that, of that time or of that music, of that, scene, of that scene. So when, again, like I said to you, I got introduced to house music or the culture of house music in 83. It had been going on before then. Uh, but the record, the record, the terminology of house, when you, when you uh, talk about the music, not the disco, but the music, your on and ons, your five A's, your jacking with the, uh, uh, fucking with the drums, Steve Hurley's Jack Your Body, Tyrese After the Night, Mike Dunn's Dance Mother, you, Adonis on, a, on and on and on and on, all that stuff. That's house music. That's the that's music. That's, that's what it is. But that some is the core. Music. That is the core because some people mix it up with the disco part of it. And say, oh, that's yeah, I music. noticed that. Yeah, I noticed that. Some people no, try to say, yeah, when you're talking about the history, they say, yeah, but it came from disco. But you're like, dude, it started. It started in '73. Like, no, that's the we talk about the culture. Understand what culture is. Something has to be cultivated to become something. So this was the predecessor too, because right after that, Jesse sure. did Wayne Williams' uh, Undercover and Fantasy, and Farley did Funkin' with the Drums and. Mr. Lee did Shoot Your Best Shot. I mean, all these records yeah. was coming out. So like I say, the disco part, only a certain core group of people stuck with that part of the culture, so to speak. And that's what they play and still sometimes sure. to this day still play it, but it's all right. But and you was, said, you said there, yeah, so you said there was going to be an interesting story about that crossover between Chicago and New York. No, that crossover between Chicago and the UK. Oh, yeah, I mean, that. When we yeah. found out when, when you know, I've always been an inquisitive kind of person. I can't speak for, for anyone else. I always yeah. wanted to find out what was going on because, like I said before, I wanted to be as famous as Richard Pryor. That was sure. my 
or, or Dr. J or Magic Johnson or Mark McGuire, Isaiah Thomas, you name any one of them that was, I thought was famous. I want to be famous like them. I so I wanted to find out um, what was going on. So uh, this guy, uh, Stuart Carthel, comes to Chicago and does this interview in the New Music Express. And yeah, Stuart Cosgrove, the journalist, and he's a published author as well, isn't he? Yeah. He did his interview. And so uh, when, when uh, this is right when I think it was Love Can't Turn Around was in the pop chart. I'm thinking that's when that around, around this time. So around 86 here, because I feel the night was just released. Yeah, so around 86, um, uh, he, he did his interview. And I have no idea, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm brand, brand new for my whole crew. I'm, I'm, I'm famous for my whole crew. You know, I'm like, nah, they interviewed sure. me for Europe magazine, European magazines and shit like that. So uh, I don't know what's going on, but they asked, asked me questions. I, I, I thought I was answering them in the proper form because, um, again, Benji, uh, uh, is trying to, coaxed me into saying something. Well, God, well, I guess he was trying to guide me, right? No, this is what I, I know at this time. This is the people that I heard of. So um, they asked and he said, yeah, you know, how much does, basically like, how much does all this shit cost? It must, you must have expensive studio bills. You must have, you know, you know, up the wazoo because all these records coming out hit after hit after hit. And you, you know, you must, he said, yeah, some of them are expensive, but, you know, records like I Fear the Night cost like $50. Because yeah. as soon as I Fear the Night come out, uh, what's my man? Was it Jim Masters? Some guy that ran Ruby Red Records, I can't think of his name. I think it was, uh, I think I want to say Jim Masters. He licensed it. He licensed I Fear the Night. I had no idea that record went from Chicago all the way to, to the UK on a license deal. Didn't even know too much what that was. And I'm going, wow. what is going on? And then right in between all that, Farley, uh, my big brother, um, he uh he was going over to Europe. He said, Yo, man, I'm going over here to, to DJ. You're doing what? Yeah, I'm going to DJ. You going to DJ in Europe? Where? At? I'm going to DJ in London, man, because I love can't turn around is is like in the Massive. top of the pop chart. Huge. Hold up. Yeah. Hold, hold up. You, you're going to DJ in London and all of it. You say, yeah, man. No. So I'm, you know, I'm uh, reverbing this information back to uh, Mike and Hugo and, you know, whoever else, you know, all of us pretty much friends. Pete, yeah, Maurice Joshua, K. Alexi, the majority of us is friends. We know each other pretty much all our life. Um, so I'm, sure. you know, and some of them know the information too. I'm just late to the party. I'm saying it myself, I'm late to the party. So. The next year, or the same year, uh, another one of my tracks got licensed to um, Westside Records, or DJ International made their own compilation on Westside Records. I'm like, what's going on in the UK? What is all this going on in the UK? And then, you know, you, again, you know how to read, you pick up magazines and, and see what's going on. Like, oh, wait, these records is popular there. You know, you reading DJ charts, you don't know what DJ is, what DJ, but some DJ is playing your record, it's in their chart. You're going, what the? F so yeah, I couldn't wait to get to Europe. Um, sure. The, the I remember at the time, when, exactly the time when you're talking about when uh, Daryl Pandy was overdoing the the PAs 
and the PA, the PA system is actually uh, the Mecca, the Mecca clubs. They used to yeah. be like big, big bingo halls type thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. the Hippodrome and things of this but, nature. Yeah, the Hippodrome you know? uh, and all these uh, other uh, Mecca venues. And uh, Right, right, right. So I met him a couple of times to doing his BA. That was, hey, listen, hands down, mm. hands down, that was one, that's one of the best house performers I've ever seen. Yeah, he, he was very my good. first. My, my first show my sister and I did was with, uh, here's a lineup. Here's a lineup for you. It was with um, this guy named White Knight, Fingers, Inc., me and my, my sister and I, Tyree featuring Chick, and Daryl Pandy <laughs> in yeah, a club. Wow. wow. Man, it was crowded. And Daryl put on the show, I thought of a lifetime because he fell on stage. And when he fell on stage, his shoe flew up. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm backstage, you know, on the side of the stage watching like, oh, shit. It just didn't hurt. Right. And, uh, mm. and, and, and he's like, all of a sudden you heard, love came. Love can't turn me and be around as long as I'm like, oh, this, I'm like, this dude, oh, this dude, uh, incredible. Uh, the person that helped me create a show, what a show was supposed to, was supposed to be, uh, this person named uh, um, Candy J, this lady named Candy J, uh, she, she booked me to do a couple shows. And when she saw my first, because that's the thing, isn't it, Tyree? It's like it, it's one thing to be a DJ and to be able to perform as a DJ, ooh, but to ooh, put on it's a, a show whole, ooh, it's a whole as a performer, man. <laughs> and it wasn't hiring DJs like that, unless you were yeah. Farley. Um, quite sure Frankie Knuckles went over to Europe because his name was mentioned in everything. Um, yeah, Joe Smooth, Derek May, all the guys, they all came over. I think it was like 87. Well, well, that's a separate thing. Joe Smooth came yeah. up with, with DJ International and the uh, the Jackmaster tour, which I was supposed to have been on. Uh, I was supposed to have been on to be the DJ of the tour because they had Joe okay. Smooth because he had this record out called Going Down. Promised Land wasn't out yet. Uh, he had this record called Going Down. Uh, it was uh, Daryl Pandy was uh, Keith Nunley from Jam Silk and it was. Paris Brightly, she was saying, it's all right, right? This was, this was, I was supposed to be a DJ. So it had been my first time going to Europe to see what this scene is like. Wow. Nope. Yeah, no, Rocky shut that down because... Um, hmm. Well, I guess he didn't I, want you to know what's going on. <laughs> well, that's the that other thing. I mean, that's quick. what... Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the... the I mean, that's one of the dark sides of the music industry in, in and of itself, isn't it? Because I mean, for example, your, mm -hmm. your song's been licensed to a company in Europe that is pumping out your song and, you know, you're not even told about it. I mean, Dude, it's not nothing. Not, yeah. not even, not even, hey, listen, not even to say I did it and be arrogant enough to say, you ain't getting the money anyway. Yeah, but, yeah. Look, your, your song's in London. Now shut up. Right. Yeah. Right. Pretty much, because I'm quite sure you did that with uh, Steve Hurley, Jackie Body. That song went number one, mm. number one in the UK. And I'm like, how did this song go number one? What's what is going on in the UK? Then all of a sudden, that style of house music went away. And I, I want to say, when when Pierre did, because when Acid Track came out in in, in Chicago. It was 
massive. It was massive, all on the underground, right? That was the track to have. Yeah. It went to Pierre Spanky. They did what they did when Acid came and Ron Hardy got a hold. It was over. It was over. And then all of a sudden, Chicago had another voice, right? So everybody's making acid tracks. Every everything, all on the underground, everything was acidic. Everything. Anybody that made anything was acidic. Not even being released, but just to have to play at the party. You know what wow. I mean? You you had special songs that was just for this type of party. And when these acid songs, because Pierre took it and blew it out the water. He he oh my brother Pierre did it. He did it bigly. Um he went from Larry Sherman to like something like a bad boy Bill. And Bad Boy Bill was one of them DJs. Like, if he played your track, you sold about at least five to seven thousand just off that. So that's what Pierre did. He went from acid tracks to that. And then all of a sudden, all of Europe is coming over. All these labels in Europe is coming over to Chicago and get these type of acidic songs and and what's this? And then all of a sudden Rocky started asking me, hey, you know how to make an acid track? Yeah, dude, but why? Oh, you, you you can make one? At the time, not really. Not not really. At the time, yeah. I was, again... You I just got your line, groove in like, the house music. Yeah. And now they told me acid. I'm like, I don't know nothing about no damn 303. How does <laughs> So I went to Liddell, <clears throat> Liddell Townsville, and... uh uh and Chubby or William S, right? Uh, very good friend. I'm like, Liddell, how does shit work? So Liddell go, oh man, you gotta do it like this. Okay, that's already confusing. Is there another way? He said, yeah, motherfucker. He, he pressed the record, like the little, it's a little, um, it's a little time, it's a little note that goes do, 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 do. So you get a chance to do whatever you wanna do within that, that, that pattern. I go, oh, for real, it's like that? He said, yeah, motherfucker. But I'm trying to tell you how to really program it so you can get exactly what you want. Ain't time for that, Liddell. I need to do it like this. As a matter of fact, can I borrow this 303? <laughs> <laughs> and I did give Marshall Jefferson his gear back at that point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Marshall, Marshall, doesn't, Marshall doesn't threaten you or anything like that. He just He's says... He's a big guy. He just says that he, he wasn't even that big. He was slim and tall. And he just said, hey, man, where my drum machine at? Here you go. <laughs> and I guess he was doing a lot of A&R and stuff for the labels as well at that point, wasn't no, it? No, Marshall, Marshall was doing with Marshall, but I will say this about Marshall. We had, we had his drum machine, but when he first, after the, the moment he finished the demo of Move Your Body, he gave us a copy. So we, cool. we, had it, yeah. we had it before. There was even Gotta Have House music all night long. We just had Move Your Body. We played that motherfucker about. Yeah. I played it ten times. Mike played it ten times. Hugo played it ten times, and then he wow. took it to Ron Hardy, and Ron Hardy played it all night. Wow. So we, we we like to say we the first ones to play or to break that record. If you was in club my house that night, with right before the police shut us down, if you was in that party, that was the first time you heard "Move Your Body," the very first time because all it did was play because we didn't know it was going to be an anthem. We just know. This motherfucker rocks. This is 
who does this? And we, and yeah, so uh, to our credit, we, we got it. But I gave him back his drum machine. And uh, and I'm, I don't know if Mike and Hugo was quite finished with their music, but Marshall said, give it back. I'm giving it back. And which led to a good friendship. Like I said, he wasn't going to steal it. But uh, when, sure. Liddell and, when Liddell and Chubby, let me borrow that 303, that's when I made Acid Over. Big track, massive, massive track. It was huge in the UK. We remember it well. They played it at lots and lots of acid house parties over here. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. No idea. Only, you know who told me about that was because uh, see the thing was I didn't like acid anymore because everything like I say was Chicago was was acidic. Everything that came out had to have a three hundred three. They had to tweak, and you get tired of hearing this sound, man. It's like, come on, dude. I wow, really. I've always been a pothead, but this is blowing my high. <laughs> you know, so I can't be yeah, in a party. Yeah. Oh, you got this three girl. What do you want? You start getting your equilibrium. And the, and the dance as well. Robotic. <laughs> oh, no. No, Chicago, when they dance to acid. Oh, they do all... line dancing, yeah? No, yeah. slam dancing. Okay, okay. Or like, it'd be a bunch of dudes in a circle, and they're going back and forth. Back okay. and forth. And anybody yeah. that gets in that way... <laughs> That's your ass. So I got yeah. tired of all of that. So I said, I'm going to do a song. I'm going to call it Acid Over. So I want this shit to be over with and we get back to some real music. Because at this point in time, uh, I don't know if you saw this movie called The uh, uh, Standing in the Shadows of Motown about the Funk Brothers. I might have. It's about, the, it's about the group of guys who actually made the music for Motown. Okay. Who actually those, played Those the, backroom guys that were uncredited, those guys. <laughs> that was Joe Smooth. That was Joe Smooth, yeah, yeah. Pete Black, and Tyree Cooper. We were the yeah. Funk Brothers for DJ International. Because wow. at this point in time, we did everything that came out of DJ International from late 86 to 1988. If you listen to them drums carefully, that's all me. That's wow. all me. That's 100%. Sure. Yeah, because I thought I was going, he told me I was going to make $50 a track. So I'm doing three, four, we have three, four sessions a night. Of course. I'm going, I'm counting our rent money. Bang I'm counting extra little man. Come on, let's do this. So, so, so I said, I said to, uh, I said to uh, Pete, I, I said, Pete, man, listen, give me some jazzy uh, for this because ain't nobody really doing no jazzy acid songs. Give me some jazz because I know ain't nobody gonna play this shit. Ain't nobody gonna sure. play this version. They they gonna they gonna be like, man, this is some bullshit. <laughs> How wrong you were. <laughs> I was wrong the moment I walked out the studio and played it for my friend Hugo because we was roommates. I played it for him. He was like, dude. And he, when he say that, something like that, I'm like, hold up. What's with this track? He said, dude, don't take this cassette out the house. Don't do anything. Let me copy this cassette, man, because, yo, dude, this is, the, this is your next hit. I'm like, get out of here, dude. Ain't nobody going to play this shit. Dude, I'm telling you. Big song. Mm. So needless to say, I did a party on the south side of Chicago. My whole cassette box, my whole, all my cassettes that I had of unreleased music got stolen. Wow. Along, oh, with, along with Acid Over. So going back into the studio, I had to try to recreate that mix I did on cassette and not have it. And wow. I'll try to recreate it, right? So this is what you get from Acid Over, the piano matey mixes, me trying to recreate that uh that original uh cassette. So years later when I re-released tapes. 
I knew I knew I know who did it, but it was hard to catch this little motherfucker. If I'd have caught his ass, it'd have been anyway. Um mm. uh years later, uh years later, Hugo actually did an edit of the way it should have I did it originally, right? I went, oh, okay. But Derek May told me about this song in nineteen I had, it had to be like early nineteen eighty eight. Somewhere up in there, he was in Chicago for whatever reason. He said, uh, hey, motherfucker, you know they playing your shit all over London. I'm like, playing what shit? I feel the night? That's old. No, man, you got some jazzy shit, some real smooth jazzy shit. I'm like, real smooth jazzy shit? Dude, what, what are you talking about? Dude, what real, what, what real smooth jazzy stuff tomorrow? Like, man, no, it's just real smooth. It's some acid. I'm like, acid over? He's like, yeah, I was like, nah. I worked at DJ International too. Let me get done on the record. I worked at the company selling records. Um, that record sold 5,000 records when, when it was released. So if a record sells 5,000, I'm like, it's a dud. It's, it's not gonna work. It's a dud. Yeah. He did a license deal in the UK. I have no idea what it did because when it went to FFRR, it blew up. And Derek yeah. telling me what it was, I'm like, what? So I went to Rock and said, hey man, what's with that for the night I hear is blowing up? Classic record company reply. <laughs> Who told you that? No, don't let those guys tell you that. That's not that's not true. That uh no, I, I wish it was a big big hit, then then maybe uh, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Right? I'm like, okay. So that my point, I know that's a long story, but the whole point. No, it's was, not a long story. Yeah. Uh uh the three oh from from one end house was changing from the normal house sort of deep house yep. to acidic so yeah it was it was it was really changing in chicago and at the same time we had no idea what was going on anywhere in the in other parts of the world, unless sure. you travel and what, and what about like you mentioned derek may and what about the techno sound that was coming out of detroit how did that sound to you guys yeah you know <laughs> Strings of life and it is what listen, it is. Man, listen, 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 uh, listen, listen. We we didn't we didn't call it techno when it, when that stuff came to Chicago, yeah. like especially like strings of life or uh the dance, like when that shit was released in '86, that was just an extension of house to us. That was like yeah, it was futuristic sounding because we had never heard those type of sounds before. We didn't never associate it with techno. It no. was it was just a Cause it fit within the tempos of Chicago records, right? Cause everything was either 123 or 125. There was nothing really over 125 BPMs. So most of those records fit, especially like that first EP from Derek with chaos and uh, the dance and strings of life and shit like that. Oh my gosh. Wow. Every track, every track played before commercial radio got to it. Cause by the time we, cause we played it, if if there was a DJ on the radio like a, a Farley or a Bad Boy Bill or Julian Perez, one of these guys, and there's a DJ that played before him, like the quote unquote warm up DJ, yeah, the warm up DJ playing the shit that's out because they heard it from somewhere and it was like, no, I'm gonna get this mug, I, I love this track, and they kept hearing these these tracks, these tracks, these tracks, these tracks, until they jumped on it. When they jumped on it, it was a rap. Now again. It was just between Detroit and Chicago. 
I know Derek had a record out called uh under uh, X-ray, you and I, let's go, right? X-ray, let's go, let's go. You and I, let's go. Juan had a record out that I told him no UFOs should be in the Chicago's Hall of Fame of Records because that was a West Side record. You, everyone, anyone on the West Side, you heard no UFOs, right? Because that's sure. the kind of rhythm they was into. Yeah, um, yeah, we too. And in London as well. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. That, but they, but West Side liked their music faster than the South Side because they thought the South Side was a little bit bougie. We thought the West Side was a little bit too gangster. The north side was always stuck up. The east side was always, the north side was rich and the east side was stuck up. So sure. that's just how some of us, some of us viewed it. Or at least I remember it that way. Anyway, um, so when these Detroit records start coming in, we didn't call it techno. It wasn't even a, to me, a terminology yet. Even when Kevin Saunderson would bring down uh, those intercity records, not even inner city, it was intercity. Uh, grooving without a doubt. These were to me, to us, it was all house records, right? For sure. Um, not until 1990, then that shit changed with each way. When they came out that compilation, we call it techno. Then it became, then it, then it got a name. To me, yeah. I, I don't know. Detroit. Somebody from Detroit would probably deny it. I don't know. Didn't live in Detroit. Yeah, because I think, because if I remember rightly, because I think. Um... The first, the album they 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 brought out a double album. I think it was came out on FFRR, mm-hmm. and and that mm-hmm. was uh, 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 that was like, network. It was on network. That was on network. Was it network? Sorry, network, sorry. Right. It was on network. Yeah. Uh, that that album double album. Out. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That was called, so that was, called, was where I got the word techno. I'd, yeah. I'd never seen the word techno before. It was like oh, it wasn't nowhere. But to yeah. to us from Chicago, it was like oh, that's what that is. That yeah. But then after that, then you got all these other artists coming from Detroit saying, yeah, this is what it is. This is this is what we call techno. This is the package, Derek, yeah. Derek and Kevin had the more houseier songs on it. And that, because I think that's what they was, their head was up, yeah. it was just fast. But uh, we, we just called when that stuff from Detroit. And we didn't play everything from Detroit because it didn't fit so much in Chicago. It fit a lot, but after a while, it got too techy and Chicago moved on from yeah, I would say that. Yeah, Chicago seemed to be like yeah, more a little bit more groovy, and whereas the the Detroit it was where it's that mechanical city. It's a bit man, more mechanical. Man, it was and, somewhere. Yeah, on, on a on a soundscape. Yeah, because most of those we we were we was just getting into like the sampling part of the game, right? And Detroit was that whole soundscape was kind of if you look at it, if you look at it in the uh, in the retro, it was kind of futuristic. These, these uh, sure. plucky bass lines and things of this nature. We wasn't really making it like that. We we could understand it, but that wasn't our groove. We wasn't dancing like they were dancing. We had our own dance. We had our own, like you said, swag. We had our own little groove. So that's what made house. No matter what, from house, deep house, you still had that whole little dance. It changed different moves. Sure. Younger generation coming in, switching it up, switching it up. But it still had the little swag. Uh, so Detroit stuff was, Detroit stuff was, up until a point, I say around eighty-seven, eighty-eight, close to around eighty-eight. Yeah, Detroit records was getting played, and after yeah. that, it was a, again Chicago went from that 
it went Detroit because the dance and all the rest of that stuff got played in early Chicago, right? In early, not early, the mid eighties, like eighty six, like when I fit the nights and dance mothers and True. all these uh, Farley's records. Ralph Rizar used to hold me. What a record! Yeah, all these records was coming out uh, around the same time, so Derek and stuff was fitting in there. Um, and then that lasted, I would say, for a couple years. And then the next phase was coming, which was uh, Hip House. And yeah, that was a whole nother, that was a whole nother you did. <sighs> yeah, for sure. Because again, the, the hip hop influences at that time were mostly uh, quite positive. I mean, obviously there was some street hip hop. but Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, uh, but, but I mean, like hip hop, because Eddie, <clears throat> again, my understanding, Eddie, he left. He left the whole house music game alone. He just left it alone for like eighty, from eighty six to eighty seven. He just left it alone for whatever reason. I don't know. I, I didn't even hear from him because we used to hang out back in the days. I didn't even hear nothing from him for like a good year. Had no idea what this dude was doing. And then a, a mutual friend of ours was tomorrow. He told me, he said, "Hey man, you ought to hear Eddie rapping." I'm like, Eddie rapping, rapping what? Eddie's good. He's he. Eddie was doing turntablism and things of this nature. I'm like, for real? Where you see him at? So he told me where he saw him at. He gave me a number on him. We talked, and he said, "Man, look, this is around 1988. Look, I'm gonna come down to DJ International, man. I'm, you know, I, I don't know for whatever reason. I, I guess to do some house music, make some money, right? I guess. So I'm like, yeah, you know, going down there and talk to him, whatever, whatever, whatever. So uh, Rocky wanted him to do some uh, house. So he did a couple projects. He did uh, Acid Thunder. He did uh, yeah, massive track uh, over in the UK. We had no idea. It was big in Chicago, uh, but uh, he did that. He did. Uh, I mean, there were anthems in the UK. That's uh, a massive anthem, you know. <laughs> his his first record, Eddie's first record. Uh, Can you dance? Dun 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 dun. He gave it to Massive. me. As, he gave it to me as a promo. Oh, I'm sorry. He gave it to me on cassette before he took it to Kenny Jason, and it was called "Pump It Up." Like we hear, "Can you? Can you? Can you dance?" It was he. He. It was called "Pump It, Pump It, Pump It, Pump It Up." That's what it was originally called, right? Sure. When the record came out, I'm like, "Can you? What happened?" Though he told me the story, what happened with him and Kenny Jason? He changed it, whatever. whatever. I'm like, "Okay, whatever." So. Uh, at this particular time, he was like, man, I'm not doing no more house. Fuck that. I'm like, so what you going to do? I'm going to rap on this shit. You going to rap on this? Like, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's see how far that go. I kid you not. Whatever he did, when he did Yo Yo Get Funky, when that record came out, when I say everybody flipped, it just seemed like every everywhere, you could not... From white, black, his Latino, Puerto Rican, suburban, everywhere, everywhere, everybody was playing this record. Like, damn, like, oh shit, like you know, like what the f- you like the fuck, what's going on here? And so, um, and so I'm it must like, have felt like acceptance after all this time. Now everyone's playing it. It must have been he, like a, you he know he must have he must have been overjoyed because after yeah. a while like I say he just left it alone. He just left it alone. And then a friend said he he's rapping. I'm like, okay. When I heard him, I'm like, 
when I heard Eddie rap, first I'm, you know, I'm not laughing at him. I'm laughing because I've known this dude since he was 15, 14, 14, and he's rapping. Like, and he sounds good rapping, you know what I mean? It ain't like he sound like a, it ain't like, it ain't like he sound like I did when I first tried this shit. He, he sounded way better, because Acid Over was me trying to rap. It was me trying to do a version of rapping, right? Quote, unquote. Sure. Um, You've uh, rapped on a few of your tracks, haven't you? Yeah, I had to. Yeah, uh, it was, yeah. It was, yeah that was, yeah, that's something I had to do, because then you start understanding the business of music. Um, but anyway, Eddie, when Eddie did that, mm. and it blew up, Rocky came to me and said, hey, you should do one like that, too. Like what? Like Eddie? Like him? Like Hip House? No, dude, that's that's Eddie shit. I, I I like keyboards. I like my shit deep. I like I like my music deep, man. I'm I'm and Benji again, Benji. And hey, man, stop thinking about the brothers, man. Everybody else wanted just do music too. Like, dude, that's I'm. Who, who else you think I'm gonna think for? I'm a brother. Who? Just my audience. Who else you? So, uh, I asked a friend of mine named uh, JMD. He's like, no, man, I, I don't want to do it. I'm like, okay. So I, I asked Adele for Cool Rock Steady's number. I met Cool Rock before because we was in a DJ battle up north. Uh, he wanted to prove to me that he was a better DJ. We didn't care if we won or lost. He just wanted to prove to me that he was a better DJ than me because he hung out with his cousin. So uh, he asked me to bring by the demo. So I bring him by the demo. And like, I don't know, maybe three, four days later, something like that. He had some lyrics. He said, what you think? So he told me, on the, he said him on the phone. I was like, fuck that. Just come on down to the studio, man. So he came down to the studio. He laid them out. And uh, again, Benji was like, um, I think this is going to be your biggest record uh, of all time. I'm like, this? I said, man, nobody going to play this. Man, this is way too deep for motherfuckers to be feeling this. Man, this is way too deep. The release came out one month, two months. By the third month, I was in the UK. <laughs> wow. You feel me? I was and that now like, I get a chance yeah. to... Right. Now I get a chance to see what's going on because now I've made it here. Mind you, Cool Rock Steady had been there with his cousin, Bambada. Right? He had been there yeah. on a a bamboo tour, right? So I had no idea what's going on. So he's trying to school me on what's going on, how to move around and things of this nature. And, and where, where what like, part of England was you in at that point? The first the first day we first time I came there was in London. I was London, yeah. I was not ready for my 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 recollection of London and I tell people they think I'm crazy. My recollection of London was Benny Hill and the Desmonds. Yeah, it's pretty much it. A dude, Popeye was my, and I watched it on public on public channel. We had a uh, PBS. The uh, it's a free it's a free a free station that plays uh, other cultures, uh, things like Romanian. And, and in this particular time, um, it was doing the UK, and uh, the Desmonds was on. I, I liked them. Why? What they? What the? What they were talking about really didn't understand what was going on. I just know whoever wrote it was the genius. Because if I got it, and I'm an American, not knowing what's yeah. going on, it was funny because I, I I felt relatable to it. It was always like, 
it felt like it was my cousins or uncles. Yeah, that's, and that's yeah, it's earthy. Yeah, yeah, it was. Something it was. It was earthy. culture when it comes to, when yeah. it comes to that because Barber shops. Mm. I'm, I always feel like even Carl Brown, Matt Lamont, I call them my yeah. cousins because they feel like cousins. That's what's sure. so funny about black culture, man. It's crazy. Yeah. It feel like cousins. I know. I know like Carl Brown me. quite well. I know Carl Brown really that's well. That's yeah. why I mentioned it. Yeah, um, I mean, so, even Carl, when he was like, you know, 11 and 12, he was rolling around with keyboards and, yeah. <laughs> he, on the street, you're seeing like, you know, hand keyboards and stuff wow. like that. Yeah, sorry, sorry, go on, go wow. ahead. Go. So, yeah. you know, it don't matter. Uh, uh, yeah. So, so when I, when, I, when I went over there and, and actually touched ground and started looking around and seeing people and hearing the language and everything, I'm going, what? And seeing their response as well. Mm. Yeah, you know, I, you can ask any artist if they're going to be truthful. When you go to London, first person, first people you're looking for is there any black people around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing. Did I'm you sorry. see any? Did you see any? <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, the first, the very, very first time uh, I did, but they kind of kept me. I didn't understand. Look, when, when Turn the Bass came out, being from Chicago and understanding this record was a was was it was starting to bubble in the pop chart. Sure. You can't wrap your head around pop because your level thinking of pop is American Bandstand, uh America's Casey Kasem's top forty, whatever program in America yeah, then yeah. You, you know you Beatles, can equate that to Rolling Stones. Right. Yeah. This is when you can equate to a pop record. But in another country, you can't no we didn't have nobody to teach us what this, what these type of records, or what this record, or what this scene could 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 be, they because sure. they themselves didn't understand it. I, I'd leave it at that. But uh, but at the same time, trying to figure out like pop, and I'm on a promotional tour, which oh my god, I'm on a promotional tour, not understanding what promotional mean. You get a per diem, and you know you get these things. I'm going. Where's the money at? Where I'm I'm doing shows everywhere. I'm doing yeah. I'm doing all kinds of shit. But I'm like, I'm coming money. back home. <laughs> right. Like I got six grand in my pocket. I've been out here for like four weeks. I should be having like a hundred grand in my pocket. Where's the twenty thousand dollars at? Yeah. PAs. No. <laughs> yeah. Mecca. Hmm. So, Mecca uh, Mecca Cubs, I imagine. Oh man. Oh man. We did uh, in England because there was fa there was actually hundreds of them all all up and down the countries. So if you wanted to do any sort of tours, that's what did. you do. You do the mecca we tours. We did, man. We yeah. we, <laughs> we did. <laughs> I did three string fellows, three string fellow clubs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those are the days. That's 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 how that's how deep I go with UK culture and coming and and, yeah. and being there. For a brother that's from the south side of Chicago, I paid a lot of attention to what's going on. I did, sure. I did a, uh, a, a venue in Great Yarmouth by the seesaw. I did um, uh, a club in Brighton uh, down by the seashore. You know, by, and by, this is uh, this is eighty eight, eighty nine now. It's is eight, it nineteen precise, precisely nineteen eighty eight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nineteen eighty eight. It was man, London. I don't know if people understand. London was popping in 1988. I don't know about 1987, oh, yeah. but it was. I met Boy George my first night going out. That's yeah. how deep it was. Uh, when I when I ran into him, Kurok, Kurok said, "Hey, 
hey man, there's your boy, Boy George. I'm like, wait, damn, that's Boy George. And I got my head, I tumble, I tumble, I tumble for you. Cause that's my favorite record from the Culture Club, right? I'm like, oh, hell yeah. I ain't gonna get stuck. I ain't gonna get dude's autograph, but I'm gonna sit down and have a conversation with dude, right? Just see if we can, you know, maybe we can collab on a record. You never sure. know. You never know. That's the kind of producer I am. Because I want to be famous. Sure. Like, sure, he want to be famous. At this time, Boy George couldn't come to America for whatever charges he had against him, right? So he was he was banned from coming to America for X amount of years. Yeah, yeah. He was partying hard at those times as well. Sorry, so, sorry, my, my dog's just coming. Okay, go okay. On. So, so, so I meet Boy George for the first time. And, and I tell you, I, so I tell you, I, no problem. I tell you, when I, when I met Boy George, when I say I was shocked, I was shocked. I said, hey, man, yeah. listen, my name is Tyreek Cooper. I'm from Chicago. He said, I, I'm, I'm pleased. I'm not going to obliterate your, your language, but I'm going to try to imitate Boy Joy. He said, Tyreek Cooper. I'm like, yeah, you heard of me? He said, and he sang, you made the record, Acid Over. I'm like, yeah, that's me singing it. He said, mate, I love the record. I'm like, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm pitching myself like, yo, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. No, boy, George is not liking a Tyree record. Then I went, wait, asked it over. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, hold up. How did you hear that? <laughs> bingo, bingo, bingo. Like, wait a minute. Uh, Rocky told me that record didn't sell. If boy, George heard it and it's massive over there. And massive, massive in England. Yeah, massive. So massive, Paul Oakenfall did a remix of it and didn't know anything yeah. about it. And it's called the Spectrum Mix. Didn't even know yeah. it was Paul Oakenfall. Wow. Right. And obviously Spectrum was one of the pioneering uh, nightclubs that launched the entire scene in the UK. Been there too. Before yeah. Yeah. it was before it was that? before it was the thing. It was open and I say the thing, it was maybe about two hundred people in the room, bro. Yeah, it was in those early days. There wasn't that many people there. When I first went there, there was about, I went to uh, Future. There was about 40, 40 people there. Oh, man. When yeah. I went, because I, because once, again, once I, once I, I started hanging out, Cool Rock was off, you know, chasing women or whatever. I'm trying to figure out this thing. So, Boy George and his, one of his friends named Fat Tony. Uh, yeah. Jerry, yeah. They both used to come to my Genesis parties. Both of them. Yeah. Bruh, I, t- I, I tell people I'm deep in this game. It ain't yeah. just because I'm, you know, Tyree Cooper, the producer I've been around the world. No. Said Ruba, I pay attention every time I not sleep, you know. Yeah, totally. You made, you made real connections, basically. Man. Fat Tony, yeah. uh, Terry Farley, early Terry Farley. Yeah. Um, um, and uh, uh, Danny Terry Rapper, Farley, he played at our parties as well. And and Danny Rappling when he was younger, right? We yeah. all hanging out in the club, and I'm sure. like, I, I don't know none of these cats. Only Boy George yeah. and Fat Tony because he introduced me to Fat Tony, so I went there with him. Know nothing about nothing. I'm so sure. who are these motherfuckers? You know, like, and nobody in the club. So for me, ain't nobody in the club. Ain't no women. Ain't no women. Ain't no be the Tyree be there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because like, no one really cared at, at that point about the women man, or, you know, man, people. I was like, yeah. Right, I was like, yo, I'm 
I'm touring up and down. I'm like, fuck that. I could, I'm, I'm from Chicago. I know how to talk to women. I don't care where they're from. It doesn't matter. As long as you a woman, sure. I'm good. Ah, <laughs> oh, Chicago it's accent like, in London, mate, is that works. Yeah, I found out. So needless to say, that was the one time I hung out with them. And after that, uh, after that tour, after that, because we went up, we went up in Scotland, man. We, we was, oh man, that first two. I saw, I saw the UK. I mean, like, I'm glad we didn't take an airplane. I'm glad we drove because you get a chance to see the countryside. You get a chance to see yeah, for sure all the beauty of this earth, man. Just like all this greenery, and then you get the occasional sheep and shit. You get the occasional cows and shit, you know. And then you pull into this. Excuse me, you pull into this um this this little bitty hotel, and this is way out from the venue. Because back in the day, they was, you know, some cheap shit. Uh, they put you in a hotel. It I style it even today, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But the par- every party, every party was packed. And me and Kurak and I, we mm. did more than just turn up the bass. That was the last record. So, I, I, uh, as I said before, I had to put together a show. So, I made sure I had yeah. records that was released. So I did hardcore hip house before we went on tour. I did house music is my life before we went on tour. And, uh, uh, I, I think I did one more, I think I had one more, one more, one more, um, hip house record that I did. No, it was three records and then cool rock would come on. Right. So it was like, okay, yeah, I'm the DJ Tyree Cooper, but you know, nah, here's cool rock. Here's the song y'all were waiting for. So that tour lasted and, Right, right after, right after we came home, right and you and you was performing turn up the bass at at, at this on this every, uh, tour. Every every venue, even down to the uh, Astoria, right? Astoria wow. was humongous. banging, banging, humongous. So that, that would that would have been um, that would have been sin or trip. Sin, which nope, yeah. it was sin. It was sin. Holloway. Yeah. Yep. Uh, oh, Nikki Holloway. I love that. Nikki that Holloway. must have been quite shocking. Oh, for I love you. Nikki Holloway. <laughs> This the story was, was just yeah, people danced ooh. on tables because it was ooh. a very yeah it was almost anarchic a story because it was for the first time that traditionally venues like that you wouldn't be able to dance on tables and things like that where we were dancing on tables there so that must have been, seemed quite wild oh my goodness man Nikki Holloway was so cool I'm still cool with Nikki to this day that dude he back in the day I don't know what he's like today but I'm quite sure he's, hey, he's still saying. cool yeah he's still cool. that dude. That dude treated me like royalty, like I was yeah. like, when I say royalty, like a star supposed to be treated. I mean, if if I could have asked, if I if I'd have asked for like, if I'd have been on some uh, Enter the Dragon, Jim Kelly shit, no, bring me about four women and just leave me alone for about five hours. I'm good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I wasn't like that. I, I wasn't yeah. like that. But I'm just saying, if I'd have said that, he would probably did it. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. But he treated me nicely. Everything that's laid out. Yeah. Well, that's the thing to us. To us mm-hmm. in in the UK, uh, the producers like yourself in Chicago and you know in New York, but mostly really, really Chicago. To us, you, you were the gods. You were the pop stars of the time. We wasn't interested in people that really had any chart success, and and yeah, there wasn't really much that. radio play either. You know, so much like you know the disco with that. Do you remember when they had that disco sucks? Um, <laughs> Thing Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, exactly. Chicago. Remember when they did Chicago. that? Fuck yeah. It was like that was almost because the disc disco didn't get any uh didn't need radio airplay, which obviously as you know, traditionally 
I, I think you remember, I remember early days in the fifties, rather than if they wanted to play the black songs, but rather than play the black songs, they would get white uh, artists right, right, to right, sing right, the songs, wouldn't they? Right, so, the curb, yeah, the curb, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so they were, so, they so, so then by the time music. you got to disco, you didn't actually need that airplay. So no, no, that's right. That's right. Because disco yeah, was, was so making They were scared. It, it was making it on its <laughs> own. So then they created the payola scheme and yeah. that scheme went awry. And the, the, the fat fuck, I mean, the dude that did uh, Disco Sucks, uh, yeah. Steve Dahl. He Dog, was losing his job. And, yeah. That's what, that's what all that shit sparked because yeah. uh, and Vince Lawrence tells the story that it wasn't yeah. just Disco Records. That was thrown in the pile. These were black records, so this is a right. whole, this is a whole racist kind of thing. And yeah, because he was there that, that night, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And from that, it kind of killed that disco scene. And again, this is 1979. The warehouse was over in 1979. Wow, you know what there I'm saying? Yeah, it was kind of it was kind of done yeah. back then. Yeah. So, uh, so that was so that was a little flashback, but so yeah. so you're so, in the UK, you're yeah. touring all around. <laughs> right. I mean, you've you've come, you know, you've come from your bedroom. Now you're in the UK. You've got girls screaming, people treating you like a god. I mean, that must have been. And did you go to any warehouse parties? Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I met Trevor. Uh, uh, I don't even know what I dare say. What's my man's name? No, 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 no. Paul, no, 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 no. Paul, I've mixed him up. Paul Anderson back yeah. in the day. Trouble. I went yeah. to Ding. I went to Ding Bats. Uh, ding Walls. Ding Walls, yeah. Yeah, I went to Ding Walls. And because uh, because uh, uh, somebody told me, I think it was, somebody told me to go there and meet the DJ because he was a cool dude. I'm like, yeah, okay. So one of the nights I hung out, it was so cool back in the day. I said, yeah, man, listen, uh, my name is Tyree Cooper. They opened the door. I'm like, oh, okay, they, okay, they, 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 they heard of me. You know, okay, I'm, you know, again, DJ skills, I'm thinking, you know, one record, not knowing how big Turn Up The Bass was, bro. Not at all. So, like, I'm, and they, I was looking up and, looking me up and down, like, yeah, okay, I guess it is. Who else would say they Tyree Cooper? They opened the door. Of course. And I introduced myself, hey, man, my name is Tyree Cooper. Oh, my God. Da, 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 da. And Paul, I was like, what's wrong with this dude? And he and you never ask a brother from the street one question. Do you smoke? Hell yeah. Hell yeah, I smoke. Hell yeah. He gave me my first hash joint I've ever smoked. Because wow. I, I, I didn't know nothing about that shit. I was so lit. I didn't know where I was at. I knew where I was at, but I didn't know where I was at. But the warmth that I got from Paul after that, man, it was... It was amazing. I hung out. I hung out so much, man. What? I hung out at the Wag, dude. I hung out. I went to the yeah, Wag every. The wag. I, I went to the Chris Wag. Sullivan. Almost, yes, mm. Lord. I went there almost every night, bro. Every yeah. night, almost. Love at the Wag night. was a great night. Oh man, Chris Sullivan. Yeah. You met Chris, obviously. Yeah, dude. Yeah, 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 dude. Yeah, dude. He was a cool dude. He was a cool dude. Oh man. Uh, like I said, the uh, the uh, the other club, the um. The one club, the uh, Manchester. You did you? You must went to the Hacienda. Yeah. Nope, didn't do Hacienda. Oh, you didn't. didn't. Okay. Went to yeah. Manchester, but we didn't do Hacienda. Hacienda didn't book us. Uh, we did a uh, another um, another club in uh, in uh, in uh, Manchester. But I do remember going to Manchester, Scotland. Oh, I fucking love Scotland. 
Wow. The arches back in the eight, like 88. It was mental. Uh, and the reception, I mean, everybody was up for it. Everybody was totally keen. And, and even, yeah. look, even like, even like, 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 even in the UK and all this time I'm torn up and down, right? The music, the music was everywhere, dude. I had no idea. One of my favorite records from that time period was uh, Sugar Bear. Yeah, yeah. Don't scandalize mine. Don't scandalize mine because they played it in every, I don't care if I was up, down, north, south, east, they played it in every set. It was a huge record. So I got accustomed to hearing it in a house set. They played uh, the 900 number. That was a dance. Boom, then, then. They jumped to one side, and then, boom. They jumped yeah. to the other side. So I'm looking at, I'm witnessing culture. It's funny for me to see because I'm looking at it sure. from an American point of view. But at the same time, I was recognizing like, oh, this is how they accept our music over here. This is what they, this is how they get down. Because London was a whole different egg. London was like, London was fast. London was like New York and Chicago. London was like, you you moving everywhere. Yeah. But the best time I had in the UK wasn't my first trip. It was the second trip. Yeah, that's funny trip. enough. That's what a lot of the producers say. They say, the first time we went, I've heard Derek May say, he, he said, the first time we went, you know, it was okay. He said, but we went back in six months. <laughs> and it was totally different. I don't know if that's my oh, mic. My because I'm, I ran across my first brother, right? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, can you hear me? Okay. You there? Uh, all right. Sorry. Yeah, because we've got we got a storms going on at the moment, so oh. it's a bit yeah, so it's okay. a bit rough yeah. at the moment. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, my first, my second visit when we went over there. In time, one thing I was gonna say was um. I got a chance to meet my uh, first UK brother, right? This guy, oh, yeah. his name was his name was uh, his name was Trevor. He, I kid you not, he looked like Mike Tyson on crack. Wow! He looked exactly like Mike Tyson, but on crack. So the dude was about this big, but oh, he wow. was tough. He was tough as nails, dude. This month, whoo! When I say the first day he met us. He picked us up because it was uh, it was a Fast Eddie Tyree Cooper tour, right? So Fast Eddie myself and we each had a dancer and Sundance because Eddie had a big record in America uh, called Get Up. So we had Sundance, right? Yeah. So he put us, he you know got our stuff from the airport, collected us from the airport, took us, got us, took us out the airport, and now that I remember, the time was at right. It was uh, a it was acting a c o a c the first the first city outside of uh, Heathrow I think that's uh, uh, acting yeah acting yeah West London yeah. Mm. right West London right he 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 stopped and got some cigarettes and he came back in the van he said all right I heard about you lot now if anybody get out of line that want to test me I'm smacking the shit out of everybody and the bitch included. <laughs> He looked at him and was like, and he said, motherfucker, you'll get mocked up in this car. He was like, dude, guess where you at? You in my hood. Where's your hood? I make one phone call. We was like, okay, I like him. I, I like him. I like him. Yeah, yeah, he's good. I like him. I like him. We became friends for years. 
after that, after this tour. It was the best tour I've ever, 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 ever was on. This tour, my gosh, dude. Again, then I realized how big Turn Up The Bass was because we did a show at the exact same place where I did Turn Up The Bass in Great Yarmouth. And before we did that, we hung out in the game room and just playing, they was playing videos. I'm doing my normal Richard Pryor shit. I'm talking about people cracking jokes and shit. All of a sudden we started seeing kids just coming into the video place, you know, in the video game room. We, we don't know. This is before video, before anybody was on black on video. So we see all these kids coming in, coming in. And one of the goes to say, hey, hey, are, are you guys famous? Look at them. I don't know, man. We don't. You know, we don't know. We just said, uh, yeah, kind of, sort of. You know, we said I respected names. He's all, that's why all these kids here, we like, all we saw from our peripheral was a few. Do we peek that head around that corner? It was a line out the door, dude. He said, wow. um, he said, I, I think you guys want to um, go out the back. He was like, yeah, okay, we'll go out the back. Huh? They chased us from the game. They chased us from the game room to the hotel to the person in the, in the lobby. Was like, whoa, 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 whoa! You ladies, all you people gotta, y'all gotta get out of here. You gotta get out of here. And they looking at us like, and we out of breath. <sighs> he said, wow. "What y'all do?" He said, "Nothing." They just started chasing us. He said, "Wait, are you guys on tour? Yeah, are you the guys that's playing at the club?" He's like, "Yeah." Oh, can I get your autograph? <laughs> Got his autograph. Cool. I that must have been so cool. Man, that was again. It was, it was the best for that I, meeting a young Carl Cox and not knowing who Carl Cox became. Yeah, Carl Free Dex Cox. Carl Free. That's what we called him back then. We was on the fly. I didn't know. I didn't know that about his nickname. But when I saw the flyer from Fast Stadium myself, and I saw Carl Cox. Like, oh, that was the black dude that was playing. Like. Oh, because he didn't say nothing to us. He didn't. He wasn't. He didn't walk up to us and say, "Hey, man, my name is Carl." Con. He was just doing yeah. his thing behind the decks, and everybody was, you know, had their hands up in the air. Like Carl's, oh, Carl's he, low key, you know. Oh. He's low key. Yeah. Tell me about it. Had he had said that, they might have had a different conversation. But I met him, um, and a slew of other people, man. But again, I didn't. We didn't know how big any of that was until I did Top of the Pops. Wow. In between that second two. Then I went, okay, okay, this is pretty. F- I know what Top of the Pops is. I've seen it when I've been in the hotel in the UK. Um, and then I did the other one, the other guy show too, that was up uh, was in the Midlands. Um, the Tony two? something. Is it this- no, oh, Tony, T- Tony Wilson. Yes. Did it Tony too? Wilson. McCoy um, did uh, Turn Up the Bass. We did turn up the bass and up in the Midlands on his show too. Didn't we just know it was TV? We didn't like I bet didn't know how big the song was. We was like, okay, it's TV. We're famous, I guess. Wow. When we did so, Tony Pops, Wilson, it's really surprising the different people that he actually brought down and put on TV. I mean, in these small little uh, TV channels, rural little channels, you know. And I mean, he brought you guys down there. It's amazing. Yeah, I didn't again. What do I know? I'm from Chicago, bro. Yeah, and we, we we got we got you know we got we got privilege and everything, things of this nature. But top of the pops is what kind of 
really opened my eyes because when they said, okay, what are we going to do? And they start giving us stage, they putting tape down and cameras, they doing a pre you know, and, and back in the day, I don't know if people know this, back in the day, if you was an American artist and you were signed to a UK label, you had, the record had to originate from the UK. It couldn't be from an American label going there. So by me okay. being signed to FFRR, and the record was produced in Chicago, Pete Tong had to put together a band to play Turn Up the Bass. Okay. <laughs> a band. And I mean, you know, there were no bands at that time, I guess in the city, but there was he no put, one else really. Yeah. No, he put, he put together a band and they played this shit. Kurok had to rap over it so they have a reference to the song actually being recorded in the UK. Wow. Right. Right. Yeah. I, had a, I had a cassette of it, but again, I lost all that shit. So once we did that, then I was like, okay, this shit is serious. Because we wasn't on a tour or anything. We specifically came there to do that. And again, prior to me getting on on here, on up Top of the Pops, I knew Steve Hurley went number one. And that video, him doing this little, the, the little video dance or whatever, yeah. I went, get the fuck out of here. And they had the same video for me that they used for Steve Hurley. Same record company, FFRR, London Records, yet another top 40 hit, they used the same video footage. And okay. I went, oh my gosh, this shit is big. Cause I met Donna Summers, I met the Fine Young Cannibals. Um, who else did I meet? We met one other, one other person. And I'm like, oh shit, Donna Summers. I don't even know what I'm saying. Donna Summers was so mean to me. She was so mean to me. She was so mean. Because I, 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 playing in Chicago, I was still a DJ. I played Spring Affair. And I said, Miss Summers, I just played your record, Spring Affair. Why are you playing that old stuff? That shit is popular <laughs> in Chicago. Oh, Chicago needs to, needs to come with the time. I got new stuff out. Yeah, but we don't like that. We like the old stuff. Oh, yeah, I need to start liking my... I'm like, you know what? Screw you, lady. I'm going the other way. I, I'm giving you the nice version. Yeah. I'm like, she, she blew me. I was like, man, nah, nah. And when we did Top of the Parks and went out and it was over with, I went, what was that? Am I a pop yeah. star now? Because then I started hearing Turn the Bass, dude. Every, in every, what's the, in, in Boots, I heard it in, in, in the department stores, I heard that record everywhere. Even heard it in the elevators in certain buildings that I was getting to. Yeah, you know that's when saying? you know you've, you've cracked it when you hear Dude. it in the elevators. Yeah. And so once I found, once that started happening, again, went to the record company, it's like, hey man, um, this record is a pop record. Don't I get a gold plaque or some shit like that? Don't I get some gold? Oh, uh, yeah, because of, uh, yeah, because obviously you've done your tour, you've done your tour in the UK, so you know the response that you're getting. So you go back home. And say, and then it's like, where's yeah. the money? Yeah. Where's where's my? I, I, I know this record is. Oh, uh, 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 I, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so now, now, now the street Tyree is starting to come in. in. They because Vince Lawrence helped me with the contract. He said, Tyree, this just words on a piece of paper. If you don't like them, you can always sue. So I said, okay, at the end of the day, when I don't like some, 
I'll soon. So I kept going, kept going. I'm like, I'm building up catalog, building up steam. Cause at the end of the day, Tyrese saying, I'm gonna get the last lap. At least that's what my that's what my intentions were. I'm gonna get the last lap because you're not gonna get my material. You got it now because you're not paying me now. I'm getting I'm getting 12 and a half cents out of 25 because when you split it, you get 25%. 20, you get 12 and a half, well, I, I, you get 100% performance and uh, mechanicals, right? I'm only getting 12 and a half on both. He's getting 75 or 35 and 30, 35 and a half on all my shit. So he's getting everything, masters, everything. Wow. I'm not getting, I get a publisher check. I'm happy. I'm happy at this point if it said, uh, something like $4,000, right? When it should have been $40,000. Sure. Sure. Definitely more. Right. At least mm-hmm. that. So I'm going, okay, okay. So fast forward. In the same calendar year, 1989, now we moved to 1989, he did a deal with CBS. So now- And that summer, summer 1989, turn up the base was massive. Massive. I wish I, wish I had known- Somebody like you, uh, sure. or someone, someone in that where they said, "Hey, bro, listen, we'll get you the proper uh, work visa to come over here. You need to reap the benefits of this song." Come and live here for a while, yeah, for sure. I had a friend named Destry that lived there. He didn't offer it. Uh, Robert Owens lived there. He didn't offer it. Maybe yeah. they didn't know. Maybe I talk. I would never hate on them for not asking. But by me not living there, I couldn't, I only got what they was feeding me. And then the next thing I know, the next release Pete Tong wanted was Hardcore Hip House. Sure. And he wanted that. Now, if he had got Hardcore Hip House, I would have definitely, Hip House would have been a number one, uh, Hardcore Hip House would have been a number one record as how Pete Tong was doing it. But Rocky was doing the business so fast, he sold it to West Side Records which turned out to give me a platinum record, which I didn't know. That turned out to be that deep, that deep, that deep heat compilation turned to be platinum. Didn't know that. Outrageous. Right, so I'm looking at this shit, I'm like, okay, okay, that's just more fuel, more fuel. And then 88, 89, we do the second tour I told you about, Fast Eddie Tyree. I had JMD, he had Sundance, so we doing all this big shit and let the music take control is that number is it broke the top 50 right wow. it broke the top 50 i'm like fuck okay and then Amazing. all of a sudden all of a sudden you hear this record pump up the jam pump it up now your feet are stomping get the crowd to jumping you know this all this shit you're going what the fuck is this and they calling the hip house i'm like we like hold up no but everybody is playing this shit like it's hip house we're going what the fuck this is not hip house and then you got uh uh Wack Kid K coming out, her, her and Rob, Rob the Raz coming out with some Swedish style version of hip hop. no real rapping, just one kind of verse and a whole lot of piano. So yeah. it was ripping off Tyree and Fast Eddie, yeah. but mixing it up, you know. And the Germans, they came with it, and the French. Everybody <laughs> started taking it. Everybody started taking it. And we like, the fuck is this? So in 1990, as far as the world know, hip house was dead in Europe because now you got these sample tracks that's taken over. Uh, Danny Diavoli, what's that? Black Box. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
uh, the Mix Masters, Grand Piano, things of this yep. nature, all these type of yep. records. And now comes, we call it techno. Yeah. This album's starting to come out. And you're going, wait, techno, what is this? And so house and music. And there's so many other things that have changed as well. Oh, it was the whole, oh, this, whole landscape had changed. Oh, you know? man. My yeah. first in London, my first the music got a lot harder. Ooh, you know, it, yeah. got, it got harder and weirder. Yeah. yeah, it did. It did. There were so got, many changes that had happened. Because I, I, like I said to you before in, in prior conversation, I did a I did a live show, excuse me, I did a live show at, at if it wasn't yours, it must have been uh, Sunrise or somebody's record. Because it was, dude, it was fucking massive. And up until this point, I was confident about my show, about everything. But being in a rave, it wasn't about anything that would happen one year beforehand. Because sure. now I'm here. Or I mean, all this other kind of music. You know what I mean? Breakbeat. What the hell is a breakbeat? What is ambient? What is the orbital? What is chem? You know? What is what? What is all this? And then and then in the city, the music got slower. It wasn't it wasn't fast. So now you got the uh, was the sound system in the UK is coming up now. It was more of a reggae type of earthy kind of vibey kind of Jamaican nah, it's gritty music. yeah real gritty but there was no more house music it wasn't house like yeah. that it, cha- it changed yeah it got got faster because they, 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 the record companies were coming out with lots of different genres so you had like hard house hardcore house handbag right. house all right. This stuff. right 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 so 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 when that's and by me being over there in 89 and 90 yeah I, it's like it's like I saw the ending of hip house or house as we know it, right? Because things it truly changed. By 1990, I did uh, MTV was launched in 1990 for all of you, for all of Europe, right? But they sure. they finally found an office in in London and they broadcast. No, I think I London. think yeah, I, I was there, dude. I was at the launch of MTV Europe. It was um, I think it was 87. Uh, it was in Holland, and they flew us all over there on private jets. Bingo, I was there. I was, man. On, I was on that tour. Uh, I was. I was yeah. on that tour. It was sponsored oh, by. I was. It was sponsored by Swatch. I think it was sponsored by this particular okay. was sponsored by Swatch. I was there. And, they flew us all over to, yeah, to exactly. Amsterdam. You remember? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I was there so, as well, dude. Hey. <laughs> I wish I didn't know that. So you. So so so. so. You remember? Because if you remember, Terence Trent Darby, he was the first artist. To to perform on that's MTV. right that's right that's right that's yeah. right that's right that's right because uh because yeah. James Hyman put it kind of put it together um anyway we did that yeah. and that was after I did that tour I was like okay uh this is it because it was somebody else in that tour. oh man I was such a bad boy no no this I, I put it like this maybe maybe I, I don't know it, it was it was promoted to me as MTV's launch because it was in Holland. Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely 87. If it was 87, it definitely was. No, I don't think this is 87. This is 1990. Because I stole oh, no, some. I mean, because I, I... Okay, this is over with now. Swatch is not even popular. It was sponsored by Swatch. And being a brother from Chicago, certain habits don't leave you. So I had the five-finger discount. They saw what a Swatch watches was. Yeah, I got myself cool. about... 15, 20 swatch watches 
and went home and was just giving out to my friends. But on this particular tour, it was uh, it was uh, Sybil, Don't Make Me Over. She had that record, Don't Make Me Over. It was uh, Latoya Jackson. She was on wow. the tour. De La Soul was on the tour. Wow. Uh, this group King B, uh, Clubland was on the tour. Um, we Papa Girls, uh, Betty Boo was on the tour. Uh, Cause I was definitely trying to go for a dancers, but anyway, those two twins, oh, yeah, <laughs> that was your pleasure. Thank goodness it didn't happen. And this other group called Twenty Four Seven, right? They had a big record in uh in Holland, and this was the time in Holland where I met Prince. This is doing that. That's why I said it was about nineteen ninety. Uh, oh. I met Prince in uh. Well, I don't know how cool that shit was. Oh, he was out there, dare say. I don't know how cool it was because I I did not believe it was Prince. I, I told the dude in his face, dude, I don't know what kind of shit you pulling, but you're not Prince. Because I didn't I didn't recognize the ratio between video to actual person. Yeah, see, much smaller. Video. He's a little bitty man. He was he was so short, and the clothes he had on. It was hard for me to understand why somebody this famous, this this wealthy, why would he dress like this? Okay, first of all, I have to clarify. He was he had did a show that night, and the only club that was open was drag night at this place called the uh, the it no uh, uh, the Roxy. In oh yeah, night. yeah, Roxy, yeah, right. And Very the only night club. that was open, right? Exactly. The only night that was open was drag night. Everybody. Uh, that we was on, we was uh, we had a break from tour. We were selling in Amsterdam for the night. Prince was on tour. He was in Amsterdam for the night. So everybody said, "You want to go out?" Said, yeah, I go out. I'm trying to holler at the girl from 24/7. I'm from Chicago. I'm sorry. I'm trying of to. I'm trying to be as famous as the next famous person. So I'm trying to holler at her. So I asked her, "She want to go out?" She said, "Yeah." I said, "Okay." So we went out. It started getting late. And, you know, you start getting late. If you're a true player, you're like, you only got a certain time to be trying to holler at the old girl because she's going to be like, eh, I'm yeah, sleepy. Yeah, you're going to be hanging out. Right, like, right. <laughs> so so I, I, I convinced her, let's go. And so uh, we get to the front door. All of a sudden, you see these security guards moving people out the way. They got an umbrella opening up and this door opens up. I'm like, they taking this drag night a bit far, dude. Come on, man. I they I, do they really have to be in limousines and shit like this? This is this is too much, man. I'm ready to go. And she was she said, "That's Prince." I'm like, "Who?" That's Prince. I'm like, "This little mother, this motherfucker is not Prince." Get the fuck out of here. And I'm loud. I'm not loud right now, but I'm louder than. I'm like this mother. My sister, who I live with now, says she took. I'm sorry. She took out every picture in the back of my photo album and put Prince picture up. So. I think I have a good view of who Prince is, right? He looking at me, and he I know he got to be shaking his head. This got to be the dumbest dude I've ever seen. I'm like, this, <laughs> like, you going to tell me this, and I'm going back and forth, woo, 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 this dude is Prince. I'm like, fuck out of here. I mean, y'all, y'all whack with this. Y'all whack with this. I'm like, who is this supposed to be? Now, his dance at the time was a young lady named Cap. We used to party at the playground. I remember Cap. Right, mm. so she's from Chicago. We used to party with her at the okay. playground. She was in the spy. Cool. She was in this club called the Spy Guys, and I had my own club called the Dod Boys. So I remember her. When I said, "Who is this supposed to be, Cat?" I remember who Cat is. We party at the playground. And she stopped. She gave me that look like, 
oh, I do know this. And turned around, I was like, no, I don't know this. <laughs> the next thing I know, man, when I woke up that day watching the news, and mind you, no, the girl did not, no, I did, have, I did not get no nookie. No, mm. she said no, she was tired, and I left it at that, you know, no means no. So I'm like, damn, yeah. I'm, I'm practically begging. She's, of course, it's cat, man. Come man. on. <laughs> she said no. No, not Kat, the young lady from 24-7 that I was trying oh, to sorry, get with. Sorry. I was trying yeah, to get yeah. with her for that evening. I'm begging. She's saying no. I'm like, okay, my night is just washed. I'm meeting the fake-ass yeah. prince. She said no. I spent all this time, and it was like whatever. No, no, no. The next day I woke up on the Dutch news. They said, yes, some, some Roxy prince. I'm like, And they showed this dude. With the, I'm like, where are the TV cameras? Where the cameras come from? <laughs> what is, what is, what is, I didn't see no cameras. What is I'm like, no, because I was famous in Holland as well because IDT uh, licensed the record from uh, FFRR. No, Arcade licensed the record from DJ Arcade Records, right? Licensed the record from FFRR. So I'm like, sure. Fuck, I'm famous over here too. So we all would have sat in the VIP. I could have been talking to Prince about doing a remix on uh, his next record because one, he had already did, he already stole Music is the Key on his black album. He says it word for word. Music is the key to set yourself free. On the yeah. black album. So I'm wow. like, shoot. If I can talk to this dude about doing a remix, yeah, I'm good. But it took too long and I, I tricked it off. And next thing you know, Steve Hurley doing a remix on Get It Off. Yeah. Right. And it did really well as well. It did humongous. Mm. I went, ah, you big dummy. And to my credit, up until that point, I only did the pet. Shop boys, which was massive. Pet shop boys yeah, are massive. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but it was. They take on uh, Sterling Boys. It's all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I liked it. Sterling's version was great version. I loved that version. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But that's what the, some British bands did because the Style Council released <laughs> the same week Joe Smooth came out with Promised Land. So did the Style Council. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, that was uh, Paul Weller. Was that Paul Weller? I think so. I'm not. I'm not for sure. Yeah, yeah. So this, this is this is all the information I had gathered all the time I've been in in the UK, looking at all this stuff, figuring it out. And I said, you know what? I'm going to sue this dude, but I got to make some money. So it kind of leaves your mind. And when um, this movie by Robert Townsend called The Five Heartbeats, I'm. I'm, I'm watching it on video and and this movie like a ton of bricks just hit me said the one scene and he said um big red i need to talk to you about my publishing and the, uh, big red was the owner label he said my office hours from nine to five and the artist said fuck your office hours i need to talk about publishing now and so now i'm into the movie like okay what's gonna happen oh yeah the 1960s story they hung this dude from a balcony which is true. Some artists got hung from a balcony if they asked about their publishing. And so the movie went on. And at the end of it, Robert Townsend was the guy who won at the end of the day. He was the songwriter. He sued the record company. He got his okay. publishing. I went, you know what? Let me take the I like him. He's a good thing. actor. Yeah. 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 I said, I'm going to do the same thing. I told my friends, I'm going to sue Rocky Jones. You know, man, man. Man, you think he still got money? I don't care if he got the money. I want my titles back. That's yeah. all I want. I want my titles back. I don't care about the money. It's gone anyway. 
man, I don't think that's a good idea. Watch me. And it took three years of my life. Yeah. And I got him back. I got him back oh. to, this, to this day. To this oh, day. So, yeah. One. It was, and I said well, from the done. beginning. I mean, that's a hard thing to get, you to yeah. get that back. You know, it's yeah. hard. Yeah. So, um, I said, when artists ask me about certain things, I'm like, man, listen, yeah. it's not it's not hard to do. If they feel that you're doing some injustice, you, you know, first of all, nowadays you got to really you got to really peruse the contract. You just can't be willy nilly signing some shit. You got to really sure. peruse. They get slick with the language. It's a very but, uh, cruel, cruel business. The music mm. industry is mm. it's it's a it's a predatory industry. Yeah, it is. And it is. It is. unfortunately, lots of people they want to be on TV. Or you know they want their records to be heard, and they just give up all of their rights. Everything, man. Yeah. Everything. And I, yeah. I used to sit. I, I sat in uh, Fast Eddie and I one time. Um, we was out in the back of the studio, just blowing a joint. And I said, "Remember back in the day when we was just as DJs and all this Lolita Holloway records and all these uh, Black Ivy records and all the rest of these old disco records it was like going for twenty and thirty dollars, and we was trying to call for twenty and thirty dollars to pay for the shit." That's gonna be our records in a few years. Anyway, you you sure? I'm like, dude, you can't see that shit from now. And this was in 1989, 1990. I'm like, yeah. you can't see that now? Dude, this is our music is gonna be that. So if this mug is gonna collect from that point, I don't wanna be watching TV and go, dan it, dan it, dan it. You know, uh, what is it? Um, <laughs> yeah, turn a TV up the bass. advert or something. Right, yeah. you know, right. Like, you yeah. can get this, 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 this. And my kids look at me like, Daddy, that's your record. And you can't, you ain't got no money from me, you ain't got nothing to show. No, I'll be down. No, sure. no, 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 no. I'm getting, I'm I'm going to get my, I'm going to sue him. So I, I knew that. And, and that's what, and you got your rights back, like to turn up the bass. Everything. Oh, Everything. Fantastic. He, fantastic. He, he, he can't, he can't do anything. Again, he tried. And every time I stopped him, certain record coming out, I'm not going to say it on names, but. Sure, uh, sure. Certain UK record companies thought they had it until I made the call and was like, yo, show me where you, you, you got the rights from him. And I showed it the court, I showed them, I sent my court case and then they go, oh man, we didn't Damn. know. We didn't Damn. know. Like, yeah, so he tried to be elusive. So I'm like, nah, dude, nah, nah, it ain't happening. So you can't, you, you can't just be in this business. Even to this day with record companies out there, nah. When I give them a track, they like a track and they want to have it for life. Like, dude, you can't have my track for life. What's wrong with you? I got kids. Oh, you thinking about the long term. You goddamn right, I'm thinking about the long term. I got two, man, you, dude, no. And it hurts me because I respect these labels. I would love to do projects with them, but the ownership, I'm like, wow. And you look at sure. certain people that's on these labels, you're going, what is it? Or they doing deals with publishing companies, and you hear nightmare stories about publishing companies and everything. I'm going, of course, man. man. I mean, you know, I know uh, the artist uh, Phil Coulthard is an Irish guy, old school Irishman. Mm -hmm. uh, he's written songs for Elvis Presley and lots of different people, but he wrote um, "Congratulations." Da, 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 da. He wrote that. Wow! Can you, can you imagine the royalties he gets on that? Super, super, really nice guy as well. Really nice guy. Because they, 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 they're still figuring out the original rights to Girl from Ipamina. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, for sure. Matter of fact, I even heard a story, just how deep this shit go. I heard a story 
that the the in the key of C, because that's do re mi fa sol la ti do, was never copywritten. Somebody copywrote that in modern wow. time. Right, right. I'm like, get wow. missed it, <laughs> missed the opportunity. <laughs> and that's the thing too, you know. Some of these cats, um, even with now when you DJing on 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 these um on these platforms, I tell people it's not because it's not necessarily because it's an old record or it's okay. Yeah. If it's an old record, then one of these, one of these majors own it. But if it's a new record and they shut you down, you don't know what country the record originated from and how they did they, they what kind of contract they signed. They could have signed with Warner Brothers under a Warner edition. So they, sure. they, their publishing is there. So Warner control it. So yeah, you playing that new song and they shutting you down. Sure. Because they sure. have control of it. And some of these cats don't really, I can't say don't know. Maybe they they kind of ignore it, don't they? They they just they just want to be heard. They just want to be famous. Yeah, and that's the point. It's yeah. Ray, uh, the I mean, even Ray. all these song competitions, you know, it's like to 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 even like these these talent competitions. Like On they TV. tell you in advance how much you're gonna get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, even like the ones like you know? like like, like uh, what is it? Any any one of these singing like with some yeah that's what I mean any one yeah. of those and, they, and yeah, it's they, like well they tell you in the front well you're going to make a hundred grand from this that's like oh hang on they're probably going to make millions but you're only millions. getting a hundred grand yeah because it's the production company right you like know? um like uh uh what was it uh the Simon Cowell one what is it uh Star not Star Search but the one that Simon Cowell yeah, yeah, yeah whatever one Simon Cowell it it, it 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 did Offsprings. One in America, one in Germany. He's he's just done a big contract, hasn't he? So he he's uh, he I think he's just done something recently where now he owns the full rights to all mm. of those programs, you know, in the states as well. Wow, because yeah. all they do, I don't know if it was a hundred grand that they make, but I, I know this: whatever whatever original song that they came up with, they practiced it, they shot the they shot the whole show. They they was they was. It was putting them on the TV shows for people to vote on them that already had videos. So we talking <laughs> about a finished product, not for the winner. Of course not. It's ready but to go. Every participant that was on there. Yeah. Because under that production company, they're gonna have all the rights. So again, we're talking mm-hmm. synchronization. And you remember they and they owned because you because you remember when they're doing a lot of these tours, they're singing all those old songs, and all of them old songs are all owned by the label. <laughs> so everything feeds back yeah, into they're itself. Not anything these cats you know, are they not getting, sing, they, they're not even know, getting they sing, famous. They're not yeah, even getting exactly. famous. They're doing like road tours. You know, they get you know you're going to work your yeah. ass really hard. You're only going to get a hundred grand out of this. You know, yeah, you got a record, co- you got a record contract, it but dude, you're only getting to get a hundred grand. Do you know how yeah. you have to work for that hundred grand? <laughs> and 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 in Europe, in Germany, most of these cats only had, or groups only had one album, or one single, or a, a single with the album recorded. But if the single didn't do good, you hear anything from them. Because the next year they had a whole new group of people that they're promoting. So the last year group, these cats is broke. They destitute. Then I ain't thinking. I'm like, that's that's similar to what house music is, but on a mass scale. So we talking about singers that 
that had that that knew they was going to win that walked into these competitions going and losing to someone they feel lesser than but yet at the same time the original song that they wrote they can't use it or any of the material that they had on the show they can't use it matter of fact it's so deep you can't even use your name for 10 years I mean, that's just insane. Imagine not being able, and it could be your own name. <laughs> could be your own name. You, know you could so, never use it again. But, I mean, that's a similar thing what the, happened to Prince, the wasn't it? Lure, hmm? That was a similar thing yeah, that happened to name. Prince. Yeah, yeah. yeah they got his, because he, he, uh, he refused to, to make any more music. Yeah. So he got out of his contract with Warner Brothers, but Warner Brothers had his name, his likeness. And it's like, so they, they said, okay. And what he said, okay, the artist formerly known as, or then yeah. he came with the symbol. Yeah. All that shit worked for Prince. That's just how bad of a boy he was. All that worked for Prince. So his label, when, when the Warner deal was over, he got all of his money, he got all of his, uh, his music back. And then he went, you know what? I'm going to do my own direct distribution. He went to all the stores or went to whatever, whoever yep. gave him the information. He got Target, he got Best Buy. He put his music in all the stores direct, direct. That was a game changer because most sure. uh, artists up until that point didn't, it wasn't doing it like that. The music had changed. Everything had changed. Yeah. Everything was changing. So, well, artists, uh, they, they, they just want a record deal at the end of the day, don't they? You know? that's, that's I mean, that it, took some I... vision to be able to, and guts to say, well, okay, listen, I'm going to go direct. I'm going to ignore the major distribution because... Obviously, the major record companies, without them, they ran the industry. So to, to, stand, to stand up and say, I'm not going to go through you, right. I'm going to do it my own right. way, that's, right. that's a big step, isn't it? Right. You know? And it is. And, and again, watching these people, like I was about to say earlier, Ray Charles uh, on his 100% or 75% of his <laughs> masters of things of this nature, that's, that speaks volume. When For you life, hear these yeah, stories, yeah. you go, wow, I want to do that. And you do it. And then you you know someone else that's in the business, and you tell them like, "This is what you can do." You, they go, "Yeah, but fuck that! I, I can do something else." Like, dude, you mean some of you gonna this dude is gonna feed his children and grandchildren off your back? I don't want to bring this word up, but it's the same kind of non-payment for indentured servitude. Sure, you like, no, I, mean, I could just be like, whatever. I'm like, okay, but I no, he can't have my. If I don't do nothing with it for the rest of my life, at least he don't have it. No one have it. I still have it. So when yeah. someone else come up to me and ask for me, they get it directly from me. Yeah, and and you can hand it down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure you, you can hand it, it down. It, it go for on sure. forever and ever. Yeah, but most people don't know that. They don't get it. They cool with some people are cool with quick 50%. money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they cool. I, I'm gonna do a publishing deal. I'm gonna get a uh, hundred thousand dollars, which you don't get anymore. They're only offering peanuts really yeah. uh, but they want it for fucking life they want it for life um it's crazy dude. yeah i know do they I, I so what about so what so what about today do you, you you're producing you produce a lot of music don't you yeah i still produce music yeah. man I, i'm never gonna yeah. stop that uh uh sometimes I, when my, my one of my best friends say my music is like um uh, a tribe called quest all right you first, when you hear, when you first hear a tribe called quest you don't really understand it. You you listen to it. It sounds nice, but it's the it's repeat times when you go over this song or somebody plays you somewhere. Someone plays this song, and you go, "Wait, who's this again?" It's Tribe. You go, "Oh yeah, this is nice." And now you into them. 
So that's just how my music goes. I've, I've been producing the entire time. And it's, it, it's hard to say, like, I can't say I'm so much forward, uh, forward thinking with my music that it takes people five to 10 years to get to it. Sometimes it does because there's so much music coming out. By the time someone gets to the record, they say, hey, man, I like this record that you got out. And I go, sure. which one? They go, oh, man, that's old. Well, man, I just found it. I just found it now. I'm like, well, dude, that's fucking old. Okay. But you got to try to, it's the way you got to try to balance. Bit like what Donna Donna Summer said to you. (laughs) (laughs) You hear me trying to justify it now, right? You you have to have a balance between when when people come to you and say what record they dig from you as opposed to where you're at in production. Your forward thing, you thinking? I remember Ray's. Uh, when Ray's, uh, we happened to meet Ray's, and he came and he did "Break for Love," and he came to do um, he came to do three songs, mm. and he came to the club and he sang "Break for Love," and everyone was like, "No, no, no, sing "Break for Love" again." <laughs> and he was like, "I want to sing my own song," and everyone's like, no, "No, no, no, just keep just keep singing "Break for Love." Yeah, yeah, because that's what people know, right? That's the, yeah. the they they don't. They're not really. They're not trying to accept the new stuff yet. Yeah. They still yeah. want to hear the what they know. And if the new and stuff, so, is, and that's kind of mean what hot. you mean as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because that's kind of what you mean. Because it takes yeah, no, a little while is. for them to catch up. Exactly. And that's, that's what. That's and what that's what saying. you meant by being ten years in advance. Exactly. Because yeah. like, like I did it in 2014. Uh, I, I didn't know one of the DJs, Ben Clark, put one of my older records on his mixtape. So yeah, all right, cool, no problem. I, I did a license deal, it was cool. But uh that song was released in nineteen ninety or ten years later. You know what I mean? Wow. Cool. And these young cats, even when I play turn up the bass, even when I play turn up the bass today, it's still like, what is this record? Oh, yeah, on. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because it's a different Excellent. generation. Twenty years ago, it was a different generation. Totally. Uh, 15 years ago, 30 years ago, every time I play these type of records, right, it's a different generation and they all appreciate it the same way. I, I try to and, that, and that's the beauty of owning Holland. your own music. Yeah. yeah. Yes. yes. And that's the beauty of owning your yes. own music. It's so important. I, I, actually, I asked a guy in Holland, uh, one of my friends, uh, the Alhead Brothers, uh, shout out to the Alhead Brothers. Um, they were doing a tour and person that was handling their tour was from Holland. I'm like, oh, okay, I, I know I'm a shoe in now because there was a compilation in Holland called Turn Up the Bass. Oh yeah, that's directly, that's a direct link. So I know even my song is famous, people hear it, it's famous. So I said to the guy, I said, hey man, you um, have to be on the tour. Well, I, he said, I never heard of you. Well, you never heard, you ever heard Turn Up the Bass? No, okay, did you grow up in Holland? Yeah, do you remember this compilation called Turn Up the Bass? Yeah. It kind of got the name for my record. Mm. Oh, I was six years old. Okay, so that was 89. Um, that was, yeah, that was 88. So you were six. Alhead Brothers came out in 95. So you was 14, but you know the Alhead Brothers, but you don't know Tyree Cooper. You know who Clubhead is, but you never heard of Tyree. You heard of La Bush, but you don't know who Tyree Cooper is. Ask any one of them artists, they'll tell you I was the reason, one of the reasons why they started doing the exact same sound that they're doing now that you're booking. For sure. For sure. Oh, wow. Okay. 
Well, sorry, bro. I never heard of you. Good luck. Wow. It's, it's amazing. I mean, I mean, but you still play all around the world. I mean, as I said, you've been living in Germany for years. You're back in Vegas now, but you're mm-hmm. played everywhere. Man, I played in Siberia, bro. Siberia. In... Imagine that. I played in Siberia where they said, get up, my nigga. <laughs> but imagine that. I mean, there you are. You're in Chicago. You never mm. dreamed you'd be playing in Siberia. I never even dreamed. I never even dreamed. I never even dreamed that I would actually see China. And I'm such a Bruce Lee fan. Wow. Martial artist to my heart. And to sit in China and Shanghai even. you go. I'm going, get the fuck out of there. I'm in China. Wow. In China. No. I'm in Siberia. I'm in Australia. I'm in, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, no. Okay, the funny one, when I went to uh, Romania, I wanted to go to Transylvania. Just for the simple fact, I want yeah, to see yeah. the story. Dracula. Yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, I mean, dude, I've been to Bosnia. Wow. You understand what I'm saying? Bosnia, Serbia, multiple times. Croatia, wow. multiple times. I mean, like, it's, no, I would have never imagined sitting in my classroom in, in, in my junior year, uh, accounting teacher, name as if you were famous right so that means so that was the way to detect uh the stroke of a pen so you can tell if the person that really wrote it wrote it or signed a letter whatever so you know he found myself signing autographs I, I started out signing autographs because i was performing and then when that went away I'm coming back as a DJ now, back into Europe, because thank goodness, shout out to Ray Barney and Dance Mania. I should have went with them way before DJ International because he turned out to be, when I said breath of fresh air, yeah, that's, if there was a phrase that said, am I my brother's keeper? Yeah, he could say that because he kept his word. Um, Which is important when you're doing business with people, isn't it? Especially in the music business. I even told Rocky and Benji, I was like, man, if I'd have known Ray Barney was going to be this cool, you'd have never got turned up the bass. I feel the night that the music take control any of those records because dude was real righteous. Oh, Ray wouldn't. I'm like, yeah, it didn't happen the same way. So anyway, uh, by me doing being on dance many records, right, I, some of those records was making it to Europe. So I just said, you know, that's why I, was, I told you before, I would go six months over, six months back, because now I had something to play. And it fit in with what they was calling techno, but I was playing house. So it was a funny kind of dynamic I was working with, but it worked. Um, but that led me to open up my eyes to where, I mean, I've seen so many different places. I mean, like, I've been to Israel, dog. I mean, like, I've been to uh, uh, Jerusalem, uh, uh, Tel Aviv, you know what I'm saying? Shit like that. I'm like, shit, I could, you would never believe, dog. I mean, yeah, you believe it, but it's like somebody from the south side of Chicago to 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 go to Eastern Bloc, even like Russia or uh, Latvia or or uh, 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 Iceland and shit like you know, what I mean, like Scandinavia, Sweden, you know, all these Finland and shit like that, all these places like. 
if my if I, I again if I'd have known that when I when I was doing this uh, writing exposition in high school, I'd have took that shit a lot more serious. Yeah, for sure. And if I'd have said sure. my if I if my band teacher who I in high school had it told me I would have been this famous as a DJ, I'd have taken music that much more serious in high school. And again, mind you, I'm gonna give you this quick story because I'm not gonna dwell on this. Uh, I learned how to play uh, five flute, clarinet, trumpet, and sax. Four instruments, right? In a period of a year, year two years, in a period of two years. Um, didn't think it was a talent for music. Just think it was shit, this shit was easy. I can get an easy grade. But I'm in a concert band sitting first or second, first or second chair. Not wow. third chair, first or second chair. And we ain't playing uh, Mary had a little lamb. No, my uh, my my music teacher was on some. If black kids, I'm gonna teach black kids. We are gonna give them some culture. So we just went to walking in the winter wonderland. Did it? Well, you had trip. Yeah. Anyway, wow. we we playing uh, uh, Brahm, Tchaikovsky. We playing pieces. We not playing little bitty. But sitting first or second chair as a flautist, as a clarinetist, as a trumpeter, or as a saxist. Uh, saxophonist, you don't think you're good. You just think that okay, I can do this. This is nothing. And when I told my coach, or my coach, when I told my music teacher that I was quitting the band and I'm gonna transfer to play, I'm gonna transfer to school so I can play basketball. He said, "Son, are you on a basketball team here?" Nope. Then why are you gonna go somewhere else? Cause I won't go to the NBA. Son, you better sit your ass down in this chair and play this instrument. Cause when you're broke and you have no money, you'll be able to play these instruments. Wow. Get out of Dodge. Man, I ain't no way. But I came, you know what I'm saying? I became a DJ. At the end of that story, end of that story, let's say he told me, I told he told me that in 1981. I saw him in 1994. So he hadn't seen, I hadn't seen him in over at least a decade and some change. And I see this man walking down the street, but he's smiling as he's walking towards me. And I'm don't know who don't recognize. he is. <laughs> right, I don't know who he is. I'm like, why is this old man smiling? As he got close, I'm like, oh shit, it's my music teacher. Now, mind you, at this point, I, I my mother's called this phrase, I didn't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. I was, sure. I wasn't homeless or nothing like that. I've never been that, thank goodness. Uh, I just didn't have any money in my pocket and I need to feed my daughter. And here come this man smiling. I'm like, oh, it's my music teacher. I think what the first wow. guy's mouth gonna be. Uh, his name was Mr. Johnson. Uh, I said, um, I said, uh, hey, Mr. Johnson, how you doing? He said, hey, son, how's that music career? That was the first thing he said when he saw me. Not, hey, Tyree, how you doing? Hey, son, how's that music career? And he smiled from it in because I told him I ain't gonna have nothing to do with music. I'm gonna be in the NBA. Yeah, right? Yeah. First thing he said to me, and I just laughed and chuckled. I was like, he said, son, anytime there's a student in my class that was sitting around or humping around and didn't want to play and they had your music on, I would say, he sat his butt right in that chair. He didn't miss Johnson. Oh, yeah. And the other, the, uh, the older cast that was above me, I went back and started teaching. He said, yeah, he sat right there. He sat right in this chair. Oh. Like, wait, wait, you, wait, y'all students, your students listen to my music. He said, son, I couldn't stop them from playing your music. Wow. 
right. I went, wow. That yeah, was, that's a nice story. Yeah, that was, I went, okay. And I marched on. And from that, I got, I got lucky and got a job delivering pizza. And that was the last job I actually had. And, you know, things of this nature. But still, uh, I thought. That's incredible, huh? That was the last job you ever had, huh? That's crazy, dude. That's the same as me. The last job I ever had was uh, before I started putting parties on. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. And that and that became a thing too in Chicago, trying to put together parties because they shut down so many things. And I and I left the neighborhood too. It was my old neighborhood was getting way more violent, way more controversial. Yeah. And I I couldn't be around. I couldn't be around it because now I've been. <clears throat> But to this point, I've been worldly now, right? I've been in Europe. Sure. I've seen things. And I, I couldn't go back to that same type of mentality. So I just like, you know what? Psh, again, it's just another reason for me to leave Chicago. And when I came to Europe, yeah, I started doing the same thing that I was doing in Chicago. I watched, I, I looked, listened, paid attention to see how other people was getting down. I was like, okay, got to a point where they would start getting funny with the money. I said, you know, I can do my own parties. You know, you you, know, you start out small and totally. you start growing until the point where um, this club, Trezor, kept asking me to uh, play there on certain nights. I'm like, fuck it. Why don't y'all just have me as a resident here? Give me my own night. Okay. That became so. In the beginning, it was cool. But when I'm bringing DJs, not somebody that y'all heard of who has a record out, the people know. I've been in Germany up until this point for a good 10 years. I know the streets of Berlin now. I'm sure. on the streets of Berlin. I know, yeah, meine Deutsche ist nicht sehr gut, aber ich kann Deutsch sprechen. So I can speak with the, with the people, right? Of course, huh? Uh, so... When I'm looking at, when I'm listening to these people, I'm in bars or hanging out with friends, and the music they playing is more closer to what I know, like more house. Oh, yeah, it's evident. I know who to get. I know which. I'm bringing to these people like, yo, let's get uh, Joey Negro. And at this point in time, brother, I'm not gonna say the price. At this point in time, in Joey Negro's career, or whatever he changed his name to now, because he's it's all Dave, 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 Dave Lee now, right? Joey, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when I saw. When I when I when I found out because I like his production I like and at this particular time house was on his third or fourth wave depending on how you look at it right sure um it was coming back so I'm like I'm in Europe they don't want to bring nobody from the states necessarily because the budget is so big for air da 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 let me get Joey Negro found a contact did all the research boom got a dope ass price I mean dope for Joey I got a dope price. I went to Trezor, I went to Trezor and I said, hey, I can get Joy Negro for this, 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 him and his manager. Yeah, we might have to bite for the ticket for his manager, but fuck, we got Joey Negro. This party's gonna be nice. And it it'll set Trezor up in a way where they're not just known for techno, they'll also be known for house too. So we talk about a super club to uh to uh to uh, uh set itself apart from just your competition of Burkheim. Had a rubber bar, right? This is the mecca. I say, Trezor has a long standing. I went through all that waffle for her to say, Who's Joey Negro? Uh. <laughs> I said, Wait, wait, you never. I thought you liked house music. I do. I never heard Joey Negro. You never. 
So I had this problem. Me and my partner, uh, shout out to uh, Robert Stanley. He's from Wolverhampton. I, if I say his name, I got to say where he's from, from Wolverhampton. He's my, right. he's my one of my home dudes. My home Big boys, shout right? to the Wolves. Love to the Wolves. And so we had this problem. So we said, okay, fuck it. Listen, before my man, before any of these older casters, older me, before they start passing, can we book them? So let's book Frankie Knuckles, right? Oh, Frankie Knuckles too expensive. How about sponsorship? How about sponsorship? You can't get sponsorship for Frankie Knuckles playing in Trezor. Do you know what kind of props and kind of love you get? He's too expensive. Okay, what about Tony Humphreys? Oh, he's too expensive. Wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. Isn't this supposed to be my night? I take a pay cut. I don't care. I do the motherfucker for free. I don't care, but this will set the club up for future to come because these are heavyweights. Berliners want to hear what they don't get in the UK, what, what they get in the UK. They want to hear what they get in America. Here's sure. a chance to do it. No, he's too expensive. Frustrating. So I said, how about Farley? Oh, well, I know who Farley is. You don't, you, you don't know who Joey Negro is. Frankie's too expensive. Tony Humphrey's too expensive. But you down for Farley? Fuck it, okay. Best idea, best party. One of the best parties I had at Trezor. Farley turned it up. When I say turned it up, Fantastic. he turned it up. Oh my gosh, they left, they left that place not knowing what to think of Farley. Because wow. he was energetic everywhere. He was in true Farley fashion. I mean, it was his first time in Trezor too. And the club is known Excited. for techno. Ooh. Farley tore that place up. Everybody like, yo, that's the best party this place has ever had. I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Because I sat and watched other people do it before me. Uh, one guy, uh, to my friend, uh, I know his name, is, his name is Norman, but I shout out to my man Norman uh, in Berlin. He's a young cat. Everybody said his budget was way over. But he had the best parties in Berlin. Sure. You, you saw DJ Pierre, you saw me, you may saw me and DJ Pierre at a party. So you put well, those the parties two cold. together. It was a it was a it wasn't even called a party. My party was called my party was called Emancipate. Okay, Emancipate. <laughs> Emancipate. A musical revolution, motherfuckers. That's what they had me drop the motherfuckers, but it was a musical revolution. Uh it was called Emancipate. Norman part Norman, I don't know if Norman had a party, but his party was on Tuesday at this place called Cookies. So it was just a cookies party. And okay. if it was on Tuesday, oh, it was crowded, dude. That was the place to be at. And when they got Norman to be their booking agent, oh, you got DJ Pierre, Marshall Jefferson, you got all these cats coming in on a Tuesday to play. Wow. It made it that place. So I'm taking that energy and I'm trying to apply it to myself. Like, oh, shoot. But they bring me DJs. They nice. They were okay. I mean, but if they tell me one thing, they tell me about a budget, I'm trying to work within a budget, and then they go do something outside of their budget and put it on my night, and if it's not successful, they blame it on us. Yeah, not good. No, so I said, you know what? In the words of my man Carmen, screw you guys, I'm going home. So I told my partner Stan, uh, Robert Stanley, I said, listen, man, you know, we can do another residency in Berlin. I oh, mate, you can't do that, you can't I say, shh. They got us on this and this month. What about the in-between months? Well, what you mean? If we doing once, if we doing one every other month, which is all, what about the second and fourth month? 
oh, yeah, yeah, right? That sounds right. Yeah, dude. I said, and if that's the case, then the odd, the other odd month, we can do somewhere, somewhere else on our own. So that way, every month for at least six months, we'll stay, we'll still get paid something, and it'll work itself back around for the next year. You can, and somebody was like, you can't have residency in Germany in Berlin. People get tired of you. They get tired of you, fucking crazy. Have you ever heard of Larry the Van, Frankie Knuckles, Ron Hardy, da da da? How do you think they got famous? They put out records. No, they played once a week in the club. It was just them. It wasn't nobody else. It was just them. That himself. Oh, how do people come there? Are you kidding? They came there religiously. Henceforth, the Paradise Garage, you heard of that? The Warehouse, you heard of that? And the Music Box, you heard of that? Yeah. Okay, then Zanzibar, you heard of that? Yeah, that's how they made it famous. So I'm like, man, screw that. You guys don't know what y'all talking about. I started doing parties once a month in three different three different locations in Berlin. Like, you can't tell me. I've yeah, been yeah. too long. No, 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 no. And every time I had a different guest, I tried to appease them. Or if I just didn't care, I just wanted to, I just wanted the bag for that night. I just went for the bag. Right? I don't care y'all book. I'm for the bag. I got to pay bills. I got to, you know, whatever. But I worked, I worked myself into that. So yeah, I'm an OG, even in Berlin. You know what I'm saying? Right. Not just in America. Right. I'm an OG even in Berlin. In Europe. That's yeah. Right. I'm putting you in got roots there. Man, in the UK, in Germany, uh, in Holland even. I did, I did a stint in Holland. I stayed a lot in Holland too. No, dog. I, so, so, so what do you think is next for Tyree Cooper? An awesome super duper trooper. Movies. As an actor or the soundtracks? Soundtracks. Yeah. Uh, if I act anything, it'd be my damn self acting the fool in front of the camera and I'm getting paid for it because it's my production and I can act the fool. Sure. So what is your record labels? What are your current record uh, labels? That- uh, Chicago, Vinyl Re- Chicago Vinyl Records or Chicago Vinyl Digital Records is where I'm at with uh, DistroKid, uh, with Believe under Super Duper Records. Because uh, I, I did have a distribution, a vinyl distribution deal with... Uh, Juno Records UK, but they said they couldn't sell my records. Well, okay. They could sell my they yeah. could sell my old records, but the new records wasn't selling. I can understand that. I didn't have any promotion. I have a team behind me or anything sure. of that nature. So um, it kind of. And I guess I, and I guess with your old uh, with your old library, I guess there's some emotional attachment for a lot of those people that are buying them. Maybe the right, buyers, yeah. the record company yeah, exactly. buyers. Well, that 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 coupled with when uh, like if you have a history, then they t- they tend to buy your history before they buy your new stuff. And my whole thing is, yeah. I didn't want to keep putting out my old catalog. Sure. And, and, it's and boring. Mm. Yeah, exactly. It's fun for the new cats, for the you. young kids. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah they, they, you know, they get it first for time. Us, but right, for right, you. right. Yeah. How many times? Okay, if you if I did turn up the bass, you heard the original. You 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 know we we grew up in this era. We heard the original. Mate, what much more can you do to the record? You so, know what I'm saying, dude? What? It's fine as it was. Why would you want to? Or or any one of my older. Why, it was fine as it was. Why would you want to remix it? Because these young cats. Never witnessed that whole era. That's when uh, vinyl was making a comeback, and they had this thing about, "Oh, you're not a real DJ unless you play vinyl." Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I came up <laughs> with a phrase: "Drop and give me thirty, 
Then you talk to me. And yeah. I don't mean push-ups. Yeah. No, 30 no, no, no. years. Right. 30 years plus. <laughs> Three you decades in the game. Man, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Drop and give me 30. Then you can talk about if I'm a real DJ or not. Because I use my laptop. Trust and believe. The record yeah. back, my, my laptop back is heavy. Yeah, but not heavy as a record bag. And by me playing vinyl, I use vinyl. So what are you talking about? I'm, I'm old school. You're new school. But that seems like I'm doing way more logical thinking than sure. you. Well, you've done that. You've carried around those heavy record bags all around Europe. You've done that. <laughs> okay. So what, so, what, so what they made a weight, they made a weight, an actual record weight to go on top of the record so you don't get the RF uh, feedback. When the when when the bass goes out, oh. you can do that with you can do that with digital. There is no feedback if you're using vinyl, Serato or Tractor, whichever one has vinyl. There is no feedback. You play yeah. vinyl, yeah, it's encoded by MP3, but you play sure. vinyl. And let me ask you this: so mm -hmm. obviously we're we're going through this COVID period in history. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's going to change the way that people, you know, go out to clubs. And But it also, I would say, it's changed the music industry as well. Yeah, it's definitely doing this business. Yeah. The thing is, I don't know how it is in Europe, right? I'm not in Europe. I don't know how many DJs um, are streaming live. Like, not just DJs, famous DJs that are streaming yeah. live. Lots here in, of them. Is it? Okay. Because here yeah. in America... In America, yeah, you, I don't follow everybody. I'm not friends with everybody because they only give you so many friends on Facebook. You have True. unlimited friends on Instagram, but no one really does it. But yeah, but a lot of people have been DJing, a lot of a lot of DJs, and the way it's changing because now people have quicker access to that DJ, so to speak. And True. and what's funny to me, I know it's gonna make you laugh. What's funny to me, they're just now discovering the chat room. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. direct they access. They mm. just they just discover. Oh man, such and such is sending me, and you know you and I've been messing with you and and Nikki, been on this game sure. for like years ahead of the time, years ahead. Yeah, especially yeah. with especially with uh with uh Nikki. Yo, bro, sure. you need to hit that chat room for what? You don't understand what that chat room. What do I need to hit that? Start hitting it, going. Oh my gosh. Yeah, oh, that yeah. personal feedback. Yeah, so it's so that changes, and that changes the game too because now these people, now the people have access direct to, access, yeah, direct access. So, and if you got like, like right now, I'm I'm still in the uh, embryonic stages. I still, I'm still building, I'm still building up my uh, Wednesday audience online. Now that I, now that I see people are starting to follow me, I'm not gonna stop. Sure. Yeah. So what? What's to, to Wednesday? You're playing somewhere, is it? You do you do it's, sets, it, live sets every Wednesdays, yeah? Yeah, I do it uh, 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 here in Las Vegas at uh, one of my friends' houses because I have no turntables here in my sister's house. Uh, That's fine. Uh, doing it. Uh, uh, what time? House. Three three o'clock. Uh, three o'clock. Uh, Las Vegas time. So that's uh. So three o'clock Vegas times. Where 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 do they listen to it? Uh, on Facebook Live. Oh, Facebook Live. Facebook yeah. Live. I send out, I send out, I do my own flyers. Uh, cool. There's something else I got into. I do my own flyers. I send them out. Um, do them on Facebook. And most, like, this just past Wednesday, I kid you not. If Nikki 
if Nikki had it came in that room, I'd have had all my sisters in the room. Yeah, I'll, yeah. You know, like like my sisters, because I, because like I said, Nikki's my sister too. I know she, but that, that's my sister. Yeah, yeah. Just, just so, just so the listeners know, Nikki is actually my sister, and she, she helped me do Genesis, and she actually introduced me to Tyree. Her Man. and Tyree worked together for a number Man, of years. That's my, that's my sister. Ty, Ty, Tyree is like a member of our family. He yes, knows everyone. Yes. He's both yes. friends with my mum, my dad. Yes, yes. Sisters, I love, I nephews. love pop. Come on, you know I love yeah. pop. You know I love yeah. mom. You know I love mom and pop. You know that broken bread with the whole family. Yeah, yeah, you know that. You know I love. Uh, so, 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 yeah, Nikki's been, my gosh, dude, just like, yo, she'd have came in that room. I'd have all my, I'd have had all my sisters checking me out. There'd been so much woman power, I'd have got nervous and probably fucked up somewhere because they were all there. And I was waiting, I was, I'm waiting to see, I'm waiting to see Nikki. I'm like, okay, I saw my sister, uh, my sister Chick, who sang I Fit Night. My sister, uh, uh, she goes by the first lady now, but. Chrissy Hutchison, uh, she sang "Used by a DJ" back in the day. Uh, my sister Antoinette, who used to date Mike Dunn uh, back in the day. You know what I'm saying? They were all in the chat room yeah. together, along with my uh, my ex mother in law. I don't like to say, but that's who she was. My ex wife's mother. She's in sure. the chat room watching me and listening and stuff. So I had all these women in the chat room, but it was just amazing, bro. I was waiting for Nick. I was like I said, I was waiting for Nikki to just chime in. What time it was, I had no idea. But yeah. I was waiting. I'm like, okay, I got one. Okay, here's the second one. Okay, here's the third one. You know, I'm looking next, next. You know what I'm saying? Like next. But it was a beautiful thing. So Wednesdays, uh, three o'clock is that's if you can do the if you do the math. So it's it'll be uh seven o'clock to nine o'clock in New York. New York is six hours uh behind London. So we we'll be talking about one o'clock in the morning, somewhere one o'clock. In the morning, one to one to three in the morning in the UK, or some, okay. something to that effect. Something, something to that effect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so, yes. So Facebook Vegas time between seven and nine. No, no. Facebook Vegas time three to five. Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry, three to five. Yeah, because we we're two hours every Wednesday. Every Wednesday, we yeah just use yeah. Vegas time uh, from Tyree Cooper's homepage, your Facebook profile. Facebook Facebook profile. And it's just house music. It's just house music Wednesdays. That's all. Cool. And what's your what's your record? Where can people get hold of you? You're on um, Instagram. I'm on Instagram under uh, Tyree Cooper's house. I'm okay. under. Uh, I almost I almost gave Facebook my I almost gave my personal name of Facebook. I'm under Facebook uh, under the real under the real Tyree Cooper because I, I can't That's add a Facebook else. page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Facebook fan page. Uh, Twitter under. Uh, Awesome, awesome trooper fourteen. Um, what else? Uh, Bandcamp. I just started Bandcamp. Um, I think it's uh, Tyree Cooper. Just look up Tyree Cooper in the Bandcamp. You'll find me. Because I have a release on the Bandcamp called Dusty Files. I just released about uh, a couple weeks ago. Oh, uh, uh, excellent! So that's the latest. The latest, latest track out. Yes, yeah, latest it, track out. What's it called again? Sorry. Dusty Files. You can find it on Dust, Bandcamp. Dusty Files. Excellent. Yeah. It's a three-track EP. Um, I haven't done too much promoting on it because I'm trying to, again, I got to keep switching hats from producer, uh, uh, producer, uh, DJ, and, you know, I got to put the marketing hat on. So it's kind of hard to try to gamble on three when it's just you by yourself. Of course and, it is, mate. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's been a bit, so I haven't, I haven't, I even, I, I got a, 
Turn at the base t-shirts out on uh, teespring.com if you look up Tyree Cooper. Excellent. Uh, uh, Tyree, I'm waiting for I'm waiting for my other line, my other t-shirt line to be uh, finished. And I'm going to promote that even more because that's the direct sale. You got to get that directly from me, email, exchange, and so forth and so on. Uh, I'm waiting for that. So I got that jumping off. Uh, and as I said, next thing for me is soundtracks of movies or uh, a, a Tyree Cooper documentary. Pretty much this stuff I'm, I'm telling you today, but just um, excuse me, just mm, just uh, if I can find a young actor to act it out. Yeah, a lot sure. of it is so hilarious. if anyone's listening, <laughs> uh, man, if you listen, you Tyree are, needs you're, an you're assistant. A, <laughs> man, man, yeah, you know. Uh, uh, I can't a writer to write your project, book. Could that be? Yeah. yeah. Yes, a writer to write the book. Yes. You know what? Speaking of that, I had, I had a friend I went to grammar school with. I, I mentioned him before. Uh, he worked for ESPN and he works for the Chicago Tribune. And I asked him to uh, help me write this book. He said, yeah. When I was in Europe and I, now that I'm in the States, it's hard to get him on the telephone. <laughs> yeah, sure. Zoom it. Zoom it up. Yeah, I think that's what I have to do because I, I do want to write a book. I, um, I thought in three different parts, like the beginning, the middle, and but there's no end just yet. But just like the beginning up until maybe up until the point I did uh, turn up the bass or something like that, right? Because that was a whole journey. Because then that takes me that takes me through the whole basketball phase, and I can start really naming the actual pro players that I actually played against that I remember playing against and like, fuck sake, this dude is good. You know, sure. to, up until the point where, I, like I told you before, where I quit and just, cause if, if I started some, I look at everything like basketball, it has to, I have to love it like I love basketball. And I put my heart, sweat and tears in it because I came from nothing, sure. shooting poorly, not understanding the real game. I even remember seeing Will Chamberlain and uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as a shorty when they come to Chicago and play the Bulls and was inspired by them and still couldn't play until I learned how to play. So my point is, I, anything I get into, I have to love it like I love house. That's why I love two-step for up to a point when I was in Europe, right? Because two-step reminded me so much the beginnings of house. It had that energy like house. It was so, I was so uh, kind of wrapped up in a two-step, in a slight two-step movement being in Germany, but the Germans wasn't even, it wasn't even like, it wasn't yeah, like, wasn't ready. Mm. No, they wasn't feeling it. Unless, unless, unless the weird part, unless it was in an R&B party, or unless it was a hip hop party, then I can play it. I'm like, that's weird. Sure. It's, it's, what the fuck are you? And so I stopped playing two step, but I, I but my point is I liked it like that. I, I liked it because it, it felt like house music. It felt like the beginnings of house's early raw music, and it was such a UK thing. I was I had been in the UK. I had been at the twice as nice parties. I had did the record with Carl and, and Matt, so I was all into the speed uh, garage. <laughs> yeah. I was into yeah. speed garage because normally I would say garage, but speed garage. Uh, I was into the whole little scene a little bit, and just like, yo, I'm 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 in Germany. I want to give him a, another part of black culture. Since y'all keep saying this is black, this is not black music. Yeah, this is another part of black music, like techno, like house. So this here it is again. Sure. Nah, sure. Nah, 
they was not having it, bro. It was like, yeah, no, 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 not in the house club. But then in sure. 2003, in 2003 in Germany, man, there was no, no party. As, as massive and as famous as Berlin is now for parties, 2003, there was, there was shit. There was nothing yeah. happening. It was, the music was dead. Then so, minimal, this minimal shit came out, like minimal. Like, dude, this is house music with no soul. So ain't, no, ain't nothing minimal about this. Kale Lexi did this 20, 30 years ago. So yeah, but yeah, I, I know I talked to ears off, bro. <laughs> no, 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 don't be silly. No, don't be silly. Sometimes okay. when you wear these glasses for a bit long, it starts to hurt, you know? <laughs> okay. But listen, um, I, I, I so appreciate you coming and sharing your history with me yeah. because it's not often we get a chance to share this history in such the long form. Right, Everyone's right. used to just hearing sound bites all the time. So to hear the long form from someone who was actually one of the pioneers, I mean, right. it, it's it's actually priceless. So you haven't Thank spoken you. our ears off at all. And I'm just Thank so you. pleased Thank that we've had this opportunity to do this. Yeah, yeah. Again, and we have to I do it again, it. dude. Yeah, I know. Any, I tell we you, have anytime, anytime, yeah. bro, anytime. Yeah. I, because, I, right, I, because, sorry, go I, I, I was going to say is, no, normally, nobody, no one else would have gotten this. And I'm going to say this live. Nobody else would get this kind of story. So if you come after him and you're asking me stories, you're going to get the very shortest version of what I just said. <laughs> I really do appreciate that, man. There's so much love, brother, you know? Man, we are family, homie. You know yeah, man? we're family, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And so yeah. again, I, honestly, I really want to thank you for your taking this time out. I think it's been like four hours now. You've done it in the middle of the day in England. Now it's like one o'clock in the morning. There's yeah. a massive storm outside. Wow. Apparently it's going to rain for the next five days. But oh, wow. um, I, I really appreciate you coming on to you, the man. show, mate. I thank you. And so it's going to, so lots and lots of love. Yeah. Same here. Same here. I, I appreciate um, you asking. We'll speak again soon. I mean, yes. just hold on there. Don't necessarily just give up. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, so lots of love, and thank I'll you, speak man. to you again soon. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. According to the Sun, there were. Thousands of empty ecstasy wrappers littering the floor of the 250-foot-long hangar. Drugs, sex, sensation. Some newspapers have called acid house music a sinister and evil cult which lures young people into drug-taking. The message is certainly getting across. The organizers kept the location secret until the very last moment, which was the main reason, according to the papers, why there were so few police here and they were unable to act. Drug-crazed kids, some as young as 12, boogied for eight hours yesterday at Britain's biggest ever ecstasy bash. The party took place here, infiltrated by reporters from the Mail and the Sun. There's, there's meant to be a drugs-related craze. What do you know about acid house music? It must affect the brain in some way. Unless it's just the music that does it. All oh, no. them lights flashing don't do you any good either, do it? Oh, I've... <laughs> I wouldn't even go in the no. pub where them lights are. Oh, no, they drive you mad.